This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's the not finishing. Game. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of TLDR Podcast, the one where Eric is around. <laughs> Guess what, guys? Eric is not around once again. It's Trayden, James, Tyler, and Alex. Uh, Eric started a new job last week. He may or may not be here for the next couple uh, segments. Who knows? If he pops on, it'll probably be later. Um, I was going to congratulate Eric because he did have a natural hat trick on his very first hockey game ever in men's league. But fuck you, Eric. You're not here. <laughs> Other than that, we're going to check in with the guys per usual. Alex, how was drinking beer and watching the Dodgers lose? I mean, technically, they haven't lost in a week. Like, <laughs> they've won seven games in a row. Uh, what we do need to talk about is I am champion in fantasy baseball. Um, so congratulations. And uh, James, specifically to you, I know you already paid me. The bet was 10 games. The Dodgers finished 27 games better than the Padres. Oh, That's almost wow. triple. So, yeah. you know what? I'm doing great. I'm excited, <laughs> for the, uh, I'm excited for the playoffs. Tuesday will be fun. Wednesday will probably be less fun. Um, other than that, I'm great. I mean, I'd rather lose. I'd rather get blown out than lose a close one. Because this way, I wasn't even invested at all. Like, yeah, three months ago, yeah, I was like, we're done. Like 11 games, Whatever. like, that would have sucked. But, like, yeah. You won. There you go. Nice and easy. <laughs> Tyler Traden had a game. They won. They were there to witness Eric's natural hat trick, which was totally lucky, not by Tom whatsoever, because Eric's with sports. Traden, Tyler, how are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Um, yeah, it was super fun uh, last night. It was first game that Eric was with our, with our hockey team. Um, and what a start. I mean, scores three goals in a row. Uh, one of them was assisted by me. One of them was assisted by trading. So uh, we kind of helped them out. But hey, that's what it's all about. It's all about the teamwork. That TLDR line looked like it's going to be lethal this season. So we're looking forward to many more games. Um, but yeah, so that was super fun. Um, super happy to have Eric on the uh, on our hockey team. It's going to be a fun, a fun season. Yeah, I was, I mean, <laughs> that first fucking period for him was <laughs> real. I'm pretty sure he hit our own player. At least once, <laughs> and then he just rallied. Like his first goal, he was he he was like, like he he had to fall to make the make the shot, and it went and it went top shelf. Second was another one, another beautiful one, and then the third one. I mean, it was it all it all just clicked for us. And then Tyler, I had to get Tyler one more goal. I was like, fuck it, I'm I gotta get Tyler a goal, and he went fucking bar down. So appreciate that's that. all that fucking matters. Yeah. Also, I just love, I mean, Eric has easily the best look. He has no uh, shoulder pads anywhere. Look, lacrosse gloves. The, so. the lacrosse gloves. I, I, I have an issue with the lacrosse gloves, but I'm just going to let it slide. He needs to get new fucking gloves. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking problem there, dude. 
Yeah, but they match the jersey, so it's you know it's hard to give those up. Yeah, that's true. But way to go, Eric. All right. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time ever, you probably don't know who Eric is. And if you do know who Eric is, you probably think that I hate him. But contrary to popular belief, I do love the guy. I just figured that everybody else was going to give him props. So I just wanted to equal it out here to make sure he doesn't get too high or too low. He's right in the middle right where he started. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to go straight into it. It's going to be a longer episode, I think. So we're going to go straight into it with Tyler. And Tyler's going to tell us about the MLB wildcard previews. Tyler, it's all you, man. All right. Thanks, James. Yeah, guys, we made it. 162 games uh, in the books. And at the end of it, we got 10 teams remaining. Uh, what a regular season. So let's first of all, let's just, you know, recap kind of regular season. Lots of unexpected turns. Lots of teams that didn't perform to expectations. A couple of surprise teams. Um, you know, Shohei Otani had an incredible season. Uh, we saw lots of uh, great pitching performances in both leagues. Um, just some great comeback stories. Uh, rookies coming out of the out of the woods, one of the best years for second baseman of like all time. Um, so it, it was it was a great 2021 season. It was nice to have a full season back for the first time in in, in, in uh, over a year. So we got the, the full one in, and we came down to 162. And there was a lot of teams, a lot of things left to be decided. Ultimately, we didn't get that 163. I thought for sure something would happen where we would get that. Didn't end up happening, but still exciting that that last game of the season, there were four teams in the mix for the AL wild card. And of course, the NL West was up for grabs going into the final day of the season. Nonetheless, here is how the postseason picture falls. In the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays hold the top spot. They're looking to defend their American League championship crown. The Houston Astros won the AL West. They're the number two seed, the Chicago White Sox winning the AL Central of the number three and the two wild card teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, in the National League, the NL West champions, unfortunately, the San Francisco Giants, best record in baseball. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, champions of the NL Central, the two, uh, the three seed, the, AL, the NL East champions, uh, Atlanta Braves. And you got the two wildcard teams, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's going to be a fun one. Of course, the uh, division series will start this weekend. But before we can get to that, there are two teams that need to make that division series the two wild card games will be happening on tuesday and wednesday night this week so let's start with the american league game which will be on tuesday night 5 p.m on espn yankees and red sox what's better than that a one game playoff to decide who advances to the division round to play the tampa bay rays and it's a division rivalry yankees red sox so much history there uh garrett cole and nathan evaldi are the projected starters for that for for, for that matchup so we're gonna start off with james uh, you pegged the Yankees to win this game. Why do you think the Yankees advance? Well, question for you real fast. Where are they playing? Well, they're playing in Fenway. At Fenway. They're playing in Fenway, so Boston. Yeah. yeah. The cool thing about the way the Yankees play and why I think they're going to win is that it doesn't matter if they're home or away. It doesn't matter whatsoever. They have the same record home as they do away. 46 and 35, home and away. They're incredibly – they're the same no matter where they go. So home road spits don't matter. Home field advantage – don't matter. Yankees are going to play well no matter what. Uh, let's talk Garrett Cole versus Nathan Eovaldi. Garrett Cole is a better pitcher. He was one of the highest paid pitchers in the league. He has an ERA of 3.23 and has 243 strikeouts on the year. Eovaldi, on the other hand, 3.75 ERA, 195 strikeouts. Tough part about that is Garrett Cole's kind of going downhill, gone up and down, you know, ever since the whole non-substance thing going on, the foreign substances. But as of late, yeah, he hasn't looked good as of late. He has like a seven plus something ERA. 
But let's just go back to the fact that it's a big game, and that's where Garrett Cole flourishes. Ivaldi last pitched against the Yankees on September 24th, like a week and a half ago, and he lasted 2.2 innings while giving up seven home runs or seven earned runs to the Yankees. That's not a good look for him, and he's playing the same exact team again. Overall, the Yankees have a much better bullpen, the 3.60 ERA versus the 3.99 ERA for the Red Sox. And on offense, you got Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. They both have had nine home runs each since September 11th. And at Fenway Park this year, Stanton has 1.109 OPS. The guy is a monster when he plays at Fenway, and I expect nothing less from nothing less from him this time around. Uh, and also the Yanks, they swept the Red Sox in a three-game series September 24th to the 26th. That was their latest one. Brian Eovaldi gave up seven runs in 2.2 innings. What's to say they're not going to do that again? And one of the biggest question marks for the Red Sox is J.D. Martinez. He has an ankle injury, questionable to play. He's a big part of their offense. If he doesn't play, that hurts. But even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. So that's why I think the Yankees are going to win this one. Those are, those are all great, great stats that are out there. Uh, the Yankees, you know, lately in these, in these Red Sox games have had the upper hand. You know, early on in the season, the Red Sox were dominating the Yankees. I think they swept the first three series they had against the Yankees. That being said, the Red Sox did win the season series 10-9. to but, you know, it was very, very close. Uh, Yankees have been playing better lately, which is what you want to do uh, entering into uh, October. Uh, I'm going to pick the Red Sox to win this game uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Yankees are one of the most difficult teams to predict how they're going to perform. They're, you think on paper they have, they got their stud, Garrett Cole on the mound. They got all of their big bats healthy. You know, they've been playing good against the Red Sox uh, going into the postseason they easily should be the favorites on paper. Unfortunately, the Yankees, for whatever reason, don't always meet expectations. Um, so I just don't trust to pick the Yankees in this game. Um, number two, uh, the Red Sox playing at home. I think that's huge, having that crowd um, at, at Fenway is big for them, especially in the postseason. They've been a very good um, home postseason team. Um, so that's going to be a big, big reason for the Red Sox. The Red Sox, you know, have had their ups and downs as well. But they've pretty much been in that wild card spot all season long. They've stayed consistent. Um, they haven't had really incredible stretches. They haven't had ter- you know horrible dis- dis- disaster stretches. They've been pretty good all season long. They've stayed consistent. Um, obviously, one game anything can happen. Um, but I think the Red Sox will eventually pull this pull this one out. I think offensively they match up with the Yankees. I think it's going to come down to those two starting pitchers. Who's going to have the better game? Um, I think that's where the game's going to be won. Um, you know, I think pitching wise, neither of these teams have great bullpens. Um, so when it gets late in the game, it's going to come down to, you know, who, who can get that, that big hit, but it's going to start with those two starters, Evaldi and Cole, um, who's going to have the better game. I think that's going to be the deciding factor in this one. Um, Garrett Cole, like you said, great pitcher, um, not quite the same guy as he used to be, but, uh, he's still top, a uh, top 10 pitcher in, in, in this league. Uh, usually shows up for big games. He, he, he has a pretty good uh, track record for the postseason, but so does E. Valdi. So um, I think it's going to be a really, really good matchup there. Um, mm-hmm. Traden, who do you got for this one? This one's, this one's tough, but this, this, is, this is a classic matchup. And, and you know, I think that us as us baseball fans just live for it. But, I, you know, I, I'm going to give it to the – I'm going to give it to the Red Sox on this one. Um yeah. I, home field, home field advantage. I know that I know that the stats don't show that there's much of a difference, but there there is something to be said when you're playing on your home field in a playoff situation. And um, I just I just have to give my uh, give my props to them. 
Um, however, I know that the odds are in favor of the Yankees, according to Vegas. So, yeah, fuck Vegas. Uh, Alex, <laughs> who do you got? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go Red Sox. Um, Garrett Cole has, I believe, he's pitched four times against the Red Sox this year. Three of them in Fenway, and they were not great. Uh, and Fenway is kind of like the great equalizer. It's a weird park. You know, it's like 305, 310 down the left field line and then like 420 to deep center. Um, and like Nasty Nate has his, you know, his uh, nickname for a reason. And that's because he's nasty in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I don't feel like super confident about it, but I'm going to go Red Sox also because like it's fun to, you know, not pick the Yankees to win things. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a toss up, honestly. Uh, I just I'm picking the Red Sox just by slim margin. Um, as I said, the, the the season series between the two was ten to nine. They finished with the with equal records um, of of the season, so it's going to be a great one uh, Tuesday night on ESPN. Check that one out. Yankees Red Sox doesn't get much better than that. Starting off the postseason off on a really really fun note. Um, hey Alex, want to make a bet? <laughs> how much? Why would you bet? You've lost everything this year, dude. Yeah, that is for real. James, like, I, are you I, trying I, to make your money back? Because you lost so much already. Yeah, exactly. Ten bucks. <laughs> yeah, why not? Sure. Ten bucks. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, there you go. Another bet between uh, Alex and James. There, uh, we'll oh, see God. who wins this one. Track record. It's taxation. You should be feeling great because yeah, I win every bet against James. Yeah, every he's undefeated. That's so crazy far. because every other bet that I make with anybody else, I always win. Except for you. I don't know what it is. Yeah, like. I don't so, know. Yeah. So, so, okay, that would teach you something. Don't bet Alex. Bet everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of mine are like shots in the dark, too. Where I, Like the Padres Dodgers one, like I was fully prepared to lose. But I just had, I, you know, here we are. What are you going to do? All right. Uh, moving on to the National League wildcard game on Wednesday night, 5 p.m. on TBS. The St. Louis Cardinals travel to Dodger Stadium to take on the defending World Series champions. Um, little nervous Dodger fans. One game playoff is not where you want to be. We haven't been, been in this spot before. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, as we mentioned previous weeks are playing very, very hot going into September. They, they entered the month of September with a 2% chance of making the playoffs. And here they are. That's how good they've been. Um, Adam Wainwright will be on the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals against Max Scherzer for the, for, for the, for the Dodgers. Um, great pitching matchup um, to, to, to start this up. Two just old, savvy veterans who know how to get the job done in the postseason. Um, so it should be a really, really great game. Uh, so, Traden, you got the Cardinals winning this game. Why is that? Look, it, this, was, this was a tough one to take because you're, you're, you're playing against the absolute juggernaut that is the, the Dodgers that seemingly have at least a handful of Hall of Famers, and that's, I think, being generous um definitely the highest paid like you know the, the most on the payroll highest paid players on the payroll um you guys just spend and spend and you guys are you guys get the right players around you but i look at what the cardinals have done to get to the situation that they're in and i think damn maybe we have a we have a good wild card game after all i mean yeah i think the difference was and correct me if I'm wrong, 16 or thir- between 13 and 16 games between the first wild card and the second wild card. I don't know exactly. doesn't really matter because, I mean, it wasn't even close. However, we did not really expect the Cardinals to get this far, especially with the way they started. It was that, you know, it was towards the end that they really, you know, started to figure it out. And, and their September was phenomenal. I mean, a 17 games, uh, 17 game streak that, 
you know, brought them, brought them into the, uh, the postseason, and, you know, they're, they're defensively, they're playing very, very well. Um, I do worry about their offense against, against the likes of Max, Scher- who I assume will be Max Scherzer. Did they, did they confirm that? Yeah. Okay. They did confirm it. The, the, I would say that may, that, that's something that, um, you know, the, the Cardinals have going for them is, um, Max Scherzer is in a little bit of a slump as of right now. I mean, uh, he's allowed 10 runs on 17 hits in, in, um, in the last you know few games here against the Padres and the Rockies who, yeah, the Padres have the, have the offense, but we have seen that they've really kind of gone the, the wrong direction. Rockies aren't really a huge threat. So it's interesting to see, you know, is this, is this going to be sustained or is this just kind of a one game thing? Or I mean, I'm sorry, it's short term thing. Um, I would lead to the side that it's probably not going to be sustained that he's going to have an excellent game. He's probably pissed off. Um, this is the first time the Dodgers have, have been in this situation. So he's going to come out for that game, but the Cardinals have, have already banded together and, and brought them, brought themselves to a situation to put themselves in the postseason. And just like you should be, I, if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be extremely concerned because the reality is the Dodgers are the second best team in baseball playing a, a wild card team. I mean, it's, 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 it's absurd to think about, but that's really what the situation that we're at. And when you're a clear underdog in a game situation like that, it's a one game situation, who knows what happens, you know, in those first few innings, I don't know if, if Max can, if Max is still in a slump, who knows what happens after that? Um, Wainwright has been extremely, extremely good this season. Um, it, it, in it, relatively, uh, I would say, uh, you know, he has a, he's clearly their, their main, uh, the, their main pitcher. I think he doubled the next starter in terms of, in terms of innings pitched. So clearly he's the, 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 the guy, um, with a three, three point, roughly a 3.0 ERA. So the pitching's there, the defense has been stellar in the last, last month and, and exciting to watch. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a scrappy game for the, for the, uh, the Cardinals. And those are the types of games that those teams win. And, that, and especially a team, especially against a team that is, you know, very, very established that, that is used to winning. Um, and it's not used to a situation like this. They're usually used to a situation where they're waiting for a wild card game to end, but this time they're in it. And how are they going to react to it? Um, and that, that's, that's the biggest question mark for me in terms of the Dodgers side. So I, I, if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be extremely worried. I really would be as much as I really want the Dodgers to win, because I just want to see the Dodgers and giants play in that first real series. All right, Alex, my fellow Dodgers fan on this podcast, give me, give me some hope. Give me some optimism of why the Dodgers are going to pull this one out. Yeah. Um, Okay. First things first, I feel like we have to talk about this whole, like the Dodgers spend to get everything. First of all, look at the guys who are in their lineup who they traded for pennies on the dollar. Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor. Guys they drafted, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Brewer, Julio Arias, Cody Bellinger, Cody, Corey Seager, Will Smith. Other than Kenley Jansen, other than Trevor Bauer and A.J. Pollock, we really haven't spent that much. We draft so well, and then we trade those guys for legit players like Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Just putting that out there real quick. Why the Dodgers are going to win. Last time Max Scherzer faced the uh, St. Louis Cardinals was a like 10 a.m. game after they'd played Sunday night in San Francisco. So they had to fly halfway across the country, then played at 10 a.m. or like 11 a.m. St. Louis time, which is then like 9 a.m. West Coast time. 
Just want to hear what his line was just real quick. Eight innings, six hits, one earned, 13 punchies, 13 strikeouts. Granted, Max Scherzer, you're right, had some duds. I don't count the Colorado one because Colorado doesn't count because it's Colorado. And the Padres <laughs> one, like, I mean, it, it just is. That's like, fair. That's fair. It's Colorado. Like, that's just that's part fair. of the deal. Uh, the Padres one was a little bit iffy for sure. But, like, can you imagine being Dave Roberts and it being, like, Max Scherzer has gone through, like, four and two-thirds and him coming out there trying to pull Max Scherzer out of this wild card game? Like, not going to happen. I'm fully expecting Mad Max to get out there and get after it. Um, and I think he'll carry this team. And, I again, like, Trey Turner, Tyler, I think we talked about this in the group text with our buddy Matt, like, NL MVP, like legitimate should have a shot. I think he's an X factor for the Cardinals. The Wainwright Molina connection longevity is something you have to worry about. If you're a Dodgers fan, they've been playing together for, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, you know, Molina probably doesn't even need to throw down signs. Like he'll just, they just know what's going to happen. I think kind of an X factor for the Cardinals is Jack Flaherty coming possibly coming out of the bullpen i mean he's probably when healthy their best starting pitcher and if they can throw you know say wainwright only goes five innings and flaherty throws two or three like that's that's pretty intense um but both these teams have been playing extremely well down the stretch um i can't i can't decide i think it's going to be like a pretty low scoring game and it might come down to like one or two big hits um I just, you know, and with Max Muncy's injury during that last game of the season is a little worry, worrisome, but Corey Seager's been hit, uh, heating up. I just think this Dodgers team has too much depth to lose, but it's a one-game playoff, so, like, who knows? Yeah, you know, you, you got to believe a team that's won 106 games can win one more, but, hey, it, it just, it's just – you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I obviously like the Dodgers chance to win this game, but it is the fucking St. Louis Cardinals. They don't give me good vibes ever when we play them in the postseason. A- Adam Wainwright is one hell of a pitcher. Um, they've got a they've got a good lineup. Um, I think that you know they're I'm I'm optimistic, especially with the way the Dodgers have been playing of late. You know they've they've had a really good September, especially the the last few games, especially offensively, because um, that offense has kind of had some moments where it has trouble scoring. The last couple of weeks, they've really put up runs on the board. Their offense looks like in a really, really good spot. Um, their pitching is always solid. I'm usually never worried about that. Um, but the fact that the offense is playing really well is giving me some optimism that they can pull something out. They've had a lot of comeback wins uh, this week. Um, so I feel pretty confident with the way they're playing. Um, but it's a one-game wild card game, man. It, I'm going to be a nervous wreck um, all game long all on, 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 on Wednesday. So... And as I said, I really hope the Dodgers win mainly because I want to see that Dodgers Giants playoff series. Um, you know, if they don't win, I'm going to be more upset because of that than I will be just because they lost a postseason game. Like I just, I've been wanting to see that for so long. So come on Dodgers. Let's, let's, let's pull this one through on Wednesday and let's get that Dodgers Giants uh, playoff series. Eric, welcome to the pod, bud. Hello, Tyler. Thank you. What's up boys. So we're just, uh, Talking about Dodgers Giants, uh, or sorry, Dodgers Cardinals wild card game. Uh, so I asked uh, Trade and Alex; they made their picks. Uh, Eric, who do you got in that one? Uh, 
I do. I got the uh, Cardinals. Damn it. Um, you know, just uh, with all of my baseball knowledge. No, I mean, I heard this dude Wainwright's pretty good, the pitcher. I see they're like already offering him a contract extension. So that means he has to win. Um, but no, I think it's going to be a dogfight, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Dodgers batting versus uh, Cardinals pitching. So let's see. Let's see who prevails. You know, Dodgers bats usually uh, get it done. So that's that's going to be the true battle. For sure. James, who do you got in this one? I'm also going to go with the Cardinals. I talked about them last week or two weeks ago. Uh, how, you know, I was talking about Wainwright and how their offense is just flourishing in the midst of that 17-game win streak. They had a good month. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. And it's honestly, it's not because I hate the Dodgers because, I mean, that's the case. But that's not the only reason why I picked the Cardinals. Like, I do believe that momentum plays a huge part of this. And they're, they're, playing, they're playing really hot. And it's now the end of the season, Tyler. So they're working towards it and they're working towards it. So it's all good. The Cardinals. <laughs> nice one there um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one for sure uh so real quick before we wrap up this uh, mlb segment uh just looking forward to the month of october october baseball is super fun a lot of good uh potential matchups that could that may or may not happen some of them have are already set up um so i just want to go around the horn and just ask everyone what postseason matchup either that's already set already or one that might potentially happen would you like most like to see, or are you most excited for, uh, to watch, uh, trading? I'll start with you. I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I actually think I already said it last yeah. when I spoke last, it's the Dodgers giants, man. I mean, this is what, this is what we've been waiting for. I, I even barked up this tree a month ago when I talked about this. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a clear winner for me. Alex, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with my world series pick Dodgers over the Astros because how juicy would that be? And it's going to go seven games because seven games is fun. Seven games is fun. James, which one you got? Uh, I don't have a specific one. It's more so whatever, whoever the Giants are playing because the Giants are a team that I've grown to love due to the fact that there's no real, like, big superstar, big guy there. It's just a team working together to fulfill one goal. And that's, that's fun to watch. I'm all about that. For sure. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Um, I'm going to twist, twist and turn it. I'm going to go, uh, Yankees Astros, a little redemption for the Yankees. Um, especially after the Astros cheated against them as well, just like they cheated against you guys. So, uh, let's see them play the, uh, Yankees fair and square this time. See what happens. I like that. Yeah. A lot, a lot of good potential matchups. Um, I mean, we, we get one right off the bat. I've been wanting Yankees Red Sox for the wild card game. I got my wish. So hopefully I'll get, my, my second wish with Dodgers Giants and my third wish is Dodgers Astros in the World Series. So hopefully we get all three. That would be incredible. Um, so let's see what happens. But boys, it's October baseball. Get excited. Strap in. This is where heroes are made. Uh, let's have a fun one this year. Love it, Tyler. As an Angels fan, I often don't care about baseball for the last for the last like two months. When October rolls around, it's always fun because these games are exciting, especially the one game wild card. This would be great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, Trading's going to tell us about the last division of hockey, the West Division, not the Honda the anymore. Division. It's the West. It's the West Division. And uh, <laughs> that's when we return.
Welcome back, and once again, welcome, Eric. Thank you for joining us. As I alluded to earlier, it's not called the Honda Division or the West Division. It's called the Pacific Division. Jaden, take away, man. Yeah, thanks, James. Actually, I'm interested as to why the NHL didn't brand the, the divisions, but you know what? We're making a shit ton of money. They, um, a little to side note, there's a, there's a belief, there's a, there's a projection that we're actually going to meet the same revenue, almost the same revenues as 2019, which means the NHL's almost back, almost back to normal, boys. Um, here we go. So we're going to finish up the divisional uh, discussions here with the Pacific Division, which incidentally is the most important division to TLDR podcast. By a long shot. All of us have a team in this division. Interestingly, there are three teams that we love in this division. Um, Well, (laughs) two of them are very bitter rivals, so this is always going to be fun. Um, But we're going to start with one of the bitter rivals of at least three of us, um, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Their 2020-2021 record was 17-30-9 for 43 points. Excuse me. The result was eighth in the West. They did not make the playoffs. They did not gain anybody of significance and they did not lose anybody of significance. Um, so they're with the same, they're, you know, they're running with the same guys. Um, they'll still have John Gibson back there. Ryan Getzlove, I think, uh, is a one year deal at, le- at least for three million, if I'm not mistaken. Um, James, this is your team, buddy. Um, so why are they going to be better than they were last year? Because they did so bad last year that I'm going to take a line out of Eric's playbook and say, it's hard, dude, that bad, once again. <laughs> you can only go up from there. Right, Eric? You can only get worse. <laughs> According to Jane, that's a, that's a true tweet. <laughs> uh, but to get into actually why I think they're going to do better than 17 wins is the fact that all their guys, their key scorers, their forwards, were all under 24 years of age last season. And they're still pretty young now, but there's a lot more room to improve after one year in the NHL. Uh, the guys who I'm talking about are alluding to Trevor Zegers, 20 years old. Lundestrom, 21 years old. Max Comtois, who led their team in scoring, 22 years old. Max Jones and Sam Stiller, 23, and Troy Terry is 24. Those are your top two lines right there. And they're all under 24 years of age, all really young, have a lot more to go to mature. But this is they had one full season in the NHL, in the big leagues. Like, this, this is it. Like, they have – they got their chance to show what they were like and to see what the NHL grind was about. And they, they got the, they, they got destroyed, honestly. They sucked. Nothing good happened last season. Uh, Dallas Eakins, terrible coach. Get out, please. I hate you as a coach. But I hope that more scoring can happen defensively. They've been okay. I mean, their defense has been decent. John Gibson back there. It's tough that he didn't have a backup for a long time here because now you still don't have a backup, so he's going to play more games. But that's the tough part about that. I did not like how they signed Ryan Gesloff to a one-year contract, like put that money elsewhere. But if you're going to use them, put them on your full time. Make, let him be there to put, you know, play some minutes here and there. Not a lot of minutes because you can't handle that, dude. You're too old. You're too washed up. Use him for your leadership and your experience, not for your hockey. Leave the hockey to the young guys who can actually play this game because this game's evolved. When he played, it was more of that grind, grinder kind of game where it's more physical. Nowadays, not so much. It's more finesse and speed, and that's what the young guys are for. So if you let those guys develop with a better system that's not Dallas Aikens, I'd be happy to see them put up. I don't know, win 28 games instead of 17. All right. Um, well, I have a lot to say about that one. But, Eric, you start. Why is this team going to be shit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the only thing they got going is pretty much Zegris um, and their current goalie, Gibson. 
unfortunately for Gibson, they've kind of dwindled his career. Um, you know, he had he had some good runs in the playoffs for them. Uh, he had he battled some injuries, so I'm not saying anything was ever on him. He he did what he needed to do, but you know, the it seemed like the prime of his career there when they were in the playoffs. They just couldn't get close enough. Um, so I think, you know, those are the two things they got going. Um, now it's just like they're doing favors. They're keeping the older heads around. Um, they got Fowler. They got Getzlov. You know, it's it reminds me of the Kings like a few years ago. Like, obviously, they had to pay the big dogs uh, their contracts because, you know, they're producing and they're getting them in the playoffs and making deep runs. So, you know, it just seems like it's going to be another year of development. Um for this team, it's another year of half the team being the San Diego goals roster. Um, so, you know, it'll probably be another year uh, of disappointment after the first 15 games and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. So th this team is interesting only because this is the first time, well, this is last couple of years they've been in this rebuild mode, but um, they're really going to, you know, they're they're. I think they're finally going to, they hit the bottom last year and I think they're on the way up. Cause I, I, you know, you can't, you can't go much further than that. Like I think I, so I agree with James there um, in terms of John Gibson, he, he had a rough season. He had a rough season, but I really don't blame that at all on him because his team in front of him was not, was not great. Um, offensively, this team very has very huge lack, huge lack of offense. Um, you know, Max Comtois scored 16 goals and, and 33 points in 55 contests. He won the scoring race with those numbers. To put that in perspective. There are other, you know, typically you're going to, you're going to see a point per game player and there wasn't anybody even fucking close. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that, that's upsetting, you know, and if you're, if you're a, uh, if you're a Ducks fan, but I think, I think you're going to see a, a bounce back by Ricard Raquel. Troy Terry is going to figure it out. Um, Trevor Zegras is, is stellar and he he's, he's found his way on the roster. Um, in terms of the Getzloff signing, I don't hate it. I actually don't mind it at all. Um, the reason I don't mind it at all is because you need NHL players to play, to feel the team. I mean, you guys have $12 million of cap space, $3 million. That's after the $3 million to, to um, get slab. There's really no reason not to have him if he's willing to play. He's probably going to play third line minutes and that's fine. He's going to, he's going to give a lot of experience to these young guys in terms of his, you know, his know-how, his wisdom he does need to teach the, the grit of the game to these young players, James, to, to kind of combat what you said. The, the West Coast game is a hard-nosed physical game. It's not like you see in the East. It's a hard-nosed game. You look at who won the Stanley Cup as the Tampa Bay Lightning because they needed to buy players to be gritty. If you go all in on skill, you become the Toronto Maple Leafs. And guess what? You don't want to be the fucking Toronto Maple Leafs. Let me, get, let me tell you that. So... That's why I'm going to push back a little bit. I think that the Ryan gets left signing is okay, especially for a year in a transition period. They're going to come back up. He's probably not going to be signed, signed next year. If anything, he might be, a, he might be an important asset to trade at the deadline. It might be time for him to trade, trade him at the deadline at 3 million. I think any team that is looking for a, for a fourth line center that's willing to play or a third line center that's willing to play, he's going to fit in perfectly there. So um, I actually think that I don't, I don't mind that signing um, this team. This team's going to have a rough season, but I think that they're going to find a way to develop their young players and it's going to be fine. They're going to be, they're, they're going to, you know, move in the right direction. James, I agree with you. Dallas Eakins is not a very good coach in my opinion. Um, he wasn't very good with the Oilers. So I'm a little bit biased there, but he's 
doing the same shit in in um in anaheim so same shit same same uh, different same guy different uh same shit so um that's the anaheim ducks we're going to move on to the cow we're going to move on real fast i have a question yeah. for you yeah. what's a good number of power play goals to happen a season like what's the average oh the average it, it just depends on who i mean are you a first line power play guy are you pp1 no power play goals for an entire team oh i don't know um i mean you, you should be you should be hitting at a clip about 33 30 to 33 to 40%. The Ducks had 11 goals power play goals all season. Yeah. That yeah. It, it, your 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 offense was extremely shitty. They'll probably have more than then that again, this year. Then again, James. 12. Your team's young. <laughs> your team's young. They're figuring it out. Trevor Zegers didn't even play the full season, so there's that. Um and who knows? They're still a week week away uh, until the season starts and Jack Eichel could still end up there. Um, still, <laughs> still hoping on that. Um, but fuck you, Buffalo. You're fucking this player over. I'm very hot, hot about that. But moving on, um, the Calgary Flames is the second team we're going to talk about. Uh, Twenty. Their record last year was 26, 27, and 3 for 55 points. They ended up fifth in the North Division. They did not make the playoffs. They added Blake Coleman and Z- uh, Nikita Zodorov, and they lost their captain, Mark Giordano, who is actually on the Seattle Kraken now. Um Eric, you like this team, unfortunately. Uh, I actually don't like this team. I fuck this team. This is probably my most hated Canadian team. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for the sake of this segment, um, looking at the bright things for them, uh, going rolling with uh, what we said earlier, you know, they had a shitty, shitty start last year um, and a shitty season overall. They fired their coach. So it can only get better. Um, they got our boy, Daryl Sutter, you know, me, Alex and Tyler's boy. Um, and if anyone can turn a shitty team around, uh, with prick players on that team, uh, it's a guy like him, but you know, some guys underperformed last year. So, you know, now they're kind of, they're, they've dug themselves a little hole. guys like Johnny Gaudreau, um, whoever the fuck their other good player is. I, I, I don't like this team. Um, Backland, yeah, Backland. So some guys like that that normally performed did well for them throughout the season didn't do too well, and you know they they were even rumors of being on the trade block last year and this off season. So you know those rumors are still probably afloat if they don't produce and do well. So those guys have to step up. They got more of a chip on their shoulder this year. Um, they, they got a guy like Daryl Sutter leading leading that chip. So. Um, they could be like a fringe playoff team, but um, I actually, you know, hope that they miss the playoffs by one game. Um, they get that close and they just don't get it. So fuck them. But, you know, they might be all right. Um, uh, James, not a fan of the Calgary Flames. No, I'm not. Uh, multiple times throughout that entire argument, you mentioned Daryl Sutter. And I was going to turn it around. He didn't really do that when he was hired midseason because they went 15 to 15 after he was hired. He was brought in to kind of push this team to be a playoff contender, and he did not do that. Daryl Sutter and Johnny Hockey don't mix. And Johnny Hockey is the best player on that team, offensively, at least. I mean, you have Matt to check, but he's more he's more Daryl Sutter's kind of guy. Uh, Daryl Sutter likes to play defensively and tough. And Johnny Hockey is not. He, like, weighs less than Tyler does. <laughs> he's, like, it's weird. He's a hockey player, and he's damn good at what he does. But the, him and the coach don't mix. When your best player and your coach don't mix, that's never really a good sign. Um, and the biggest thing that the Flames really struggled with, I think, was 
their offensive powers. They were they had 2.77 goals per game, which is 19th. And Daryl Sutter's not going to help you fix that. Like I said, he is more of a defensive-minded, grinded-out, physical kind of guy. And they need to score more. What are they going to get that? I don't really know. And when your longtime captain who's been your captain since 2013 is gone, you're going to have to find new leadership. Where are you going to find that? Who's going to step up to the plate? It's not going to be Johnny Hockey because him and the coach don't mix. Is it going to be Monaghan or whatever his name is? Or Backlund? I don't, I don't know. But you got to find somebody to, to write this ship. Like you were talking about the Ducks a second ago, having that captain who can teach people. Who's that going to be the guy? Who's going to be the guy for Flames? I don't know. You got to figure that out and you got to figure out chemistry between your teammates and your coaching staff because they have all this disintegrity and the fact that they don't mix. I don't know if they're going to have a good season. Yeah, I, I actually tend to agree with you, James. Um, Johnny G and uh, Daryl Sutter just don't mix. You're absolutely right. Daryl Sutter actually has a good group of guys in Matthew Kachuk, Sean Monaghan, Andrew Manjapani. He kind of fits that kind of role. Actually, Michael Backlund is there too. And adding Blake Coleman is a is you know another type of player that's up Daryl Sutter's alley. Daryl Sutter is meant to coach in the Pacific Division. That is, that is where he needs to be. Johnny G is an East Coast player. That is the type of player that he is. He should not be here. They should trade him. Um, if if you're asking me. Um, the biggest question I have is after Mark Giordano, who is, you know, a beloved captain of that was the beloved captain of the Calgary flames is gone. Now who's going to be the big guy on the, on the defense. Um, I mean, you have Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov. None of those guys scream. I'm a, a minute, a minute muncher, not having a minute muncher is absolutely huge in this division and actually in this league. And I said that about Winnipeg and I'm going to say that about um, the next team that we talk about as well. If you don't have a minute muncher that can absolutely take on the best of the best, you're not going to play very well. On top of that, I don't know what they're going to get out of Bar- Mar- Jacob Markstrom. It's very interesting that the Oilers had an opportunity to, to, to um, have Markstrom on their team, and he did not play very well. I mean, he had a, 90, a 904 save percentage, and he, you know, he gets paid $6 million a year. Um, it's, it's not too great. He needs to, he needs to figure it out. The defense needs to figure it out. I'm, I'm, I have question marks about this team um, from the coaching staff down. I'm not from the coaching staff. I, I don't mind the coaching staff at all. It's, it's from the leaders down. I don't know who's going to take over that role. Um, I assume Sean Monahan, but we'll have to see. Um, not really liking this team either, James, and I guess Eric to that matter. Um, but that's going to take us to the other team in, the, in, the, in Alberta, Canada, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Last season they went tw- uh, last season they went 35 19 and two for 72 points second in the North Division, but they got swept by the Winnipeg Jets in the first round. Significant gains include Zach Hyman, Cody Cece, Warren Fogel, and Duncan Keith. They lost Dmitry Kulikov, Ethan Bear, and Adam Larson. Um, t- uh, I'm sorry, James, you're an Edmonton Oilers fan now, I guess. Yeah, uh, only mainly because you are, and I watch a lot of games with you, so I get a lot of exposure here. Also, I had Dreisaitl on my fantasy team last year. He did he did really well for me. Yep. Um, but to talk about the team as a whole, I think they got better on both sides of the book. I don't know if that's a saying in hockey, but no, it, it is, is now. Absolutely. Okay, cool. There we go. Both sides of the book it is. Um, I mean, Zach Hyman, Warren Fogel, Derek Ryan, they all add some depth on that forward line. They take some pressure off McDavid and Drysaddle, mainly because McDavid and Drysaddle have done everything for the last two years. And that was one of the biggest problems. Outside of those two, who else could score? And now you have Zach Hyman put up 33 points in 44, 43 games. Fogel had 20 points in 53 games, and Derek Ryan had 13 points in 43. Those are some good point totals right there to help you out to take some of the pressure off that. 
But I think the biggest signing or trade that went down was Duncan Keith. Because let's talk about what happened to the Edmonton Oilers the last two seasons. In the playoffs, they lost to two teams that they should not have lost to. They shouldn't have lost to the Blackhawks two years ago. They shouldn't have lost to the Jets last year. What does that point to? Because it's McDavid and Drysaddle. They're the best offensive scorers in the league. Like, where, where do you go wrong? And I think it's not having somebody on the team that has had that playoff experience, that has been a multiple-time winner and knows how to get through an entire season and push when it gets tough. And that's, that's where Duncan Keith comes in. This guy is a well-known and renowned winner. He won the Norris. He won the Stanley Cup a couple times. Like he's good at what he does, and he may not produce hockey-wise anymore at his age and with all his injury history. But he can be that leadership role. He can put up some minutes, though. It may not be 26, 28 minutes per game. It'll be twenty-two, though, and that's okay. He won't make as many mistakes because he's more mental than he is physical to begin with. East Coast kind of guy, you know what I mean? But the thing is, the fact of the matter is, he's going to be there to help carry and shoulder some of the load that leadership brings and that's going to be a huge key it's the intangibles that he brings not the physicality the intangibles the know-how the leadership that i've been there listen to me kind of thing that's going to help the oilers team out and on top of that i'm really betting big on mike smith i love mike smith had a huge resurgent year last year nine two three save percentage 2.31 goals against average came up out of nowhere after missing the first 20 games and pretty much just carried as a goaltender I hope he does that once again because I love that dude's hair. He's great. Okay, Tyler, you hate my team. Yeah, I do. Um, no, but here, here's the thing. Of course, we know that Edmonton is going to put a bunch of points. They've got arguably the two best goal scorers in the league. Uh, we know this. But the problem is the last two seasons, they've been bounced out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, so why, why is that? And what, what's, what's changed from those seasons to this seasons, you signed Mike Hyman big. I think that was a, that added some, some, some depth there. Duncan Keith, as James mentioned, brings a ton of experience. He's won the postseason. I think that certainly helps you a little bit. Um, however, the bottom six of this team doesn't really scare you. It does not, it's not a team, a full complete team that when you put up against the best teams in hockey, I don't think that they match up well. Still, I still think they have a long way to go depth wise. They're going to be a playoff team. Um, hopefully they win one series, but past that, I don't know if they can match up against, you know, the top, you know, five or six teams in the NHL. They just don't have that depth of scoring. Um, you know, cause if, Mc, if Connor McDavid and dry will have a bad night, how is this team going to score goals? Uh, Mike Smith, as, as you said, had a great uh, resurgent year last year. He's I think he's 40 years old now getting up there a little bit in age. Is he going to continue to have that kind of production? I don't know. Um, so a few questions marks on this team. Like I said, they're still a very good team. They have some of the best, most exciting players to watch in hockey. Um, so for entertainment value, they're super fun to watch. Um, but in terms of making it, you know, where they want to be, which I think is, you know, uh, a Stanley cup champion, I still think they have, they have a uh, long ways to go. And I think that starts with their depth. I just think depth wise, they haven't really, added much to that other than, you know, adding more to the, you know, their, their, their top few lines, the bottom lines, I just don't think match up against the, the elite of the NHL. Before we move on. Uh, so you said they don't have the depth of the top two lines after the fact that so they, they'll win a playoff series, but they won't go any farther than that. But look what the Canadians did. They went to the Stanley cup and they had no depth either at all. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think that, I think the Canadians are a uh, exception to the, the rule there yeah tyler is absolutely crazy correct 
this is my team. Tyler is 100% correct. Um, two years ago, you were taking a shit on that on your own team, too. You were like, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs. I did that last year, and they made the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't have to worry about that. I do like the add-on to Zach Hyman, and I do like the add-on Warren Fogle. I think Warren Fogle is actually going to be our third-line center. So I will push back on Tyler a little bit in terms of the, the bottom six. However, I don't know about our winger situation beyond the top six is very sus. Our defense is extremely sus, extremely sus. Um, Darnell Nurse is a great all around is, is a great blue liner all around. He's not he's not the minute muncher that you absolutely need. I'm sorry, Dad. I know we love Darnell Nurse, but um, he is not a minute muncher that we absolutely need. Duncan Keith, he, to, to James's point, he's absolutely going to bring an element to this to this team. He's I actually wish we still had Adam Larson. Um, I would prefer Adam Larson over over Duncan Keith. Tyson Berry is useless defensively. Cody Cece has proven that he's useless defensively. Both of those guys are great offensively, but that, beyond that, I question. Mike Smith is very, is very, it, Mike Smith's interesting to me because he had an amazing season last year, but his two seasons before that were fucking terrible. So I, I just wonder what I'm going to get out of him because I don't trust anything that comes out of Miko Koskinen. He, I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't play like, anywhere close to 40% of the games. Um, but given the fact that Mike Smith's turning 40 years old in March, I feel like he's going to have to give up some of the net or else he's going to just tire himself out. And we're going to be at a huge disadvantage. Goaltending is a huge question mark. Our defense is a question mark. Um, I, I, I think our offense in terms of adding, adding wingers to the, to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, beautiful. They did a fantastic job. No worry about that. We are going to dominate every single fucking line one through two beyond that. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to get. And that's my biggest issue. So I think I agree with you guys. Definitely going to make the playoffs. I don't know how much further they're going to go after the first round. I hope they can uh, win the first round, but um, you know, luckily we're in a division that I think we'll be able to win second in the division at the very least, maybe third, which gives us a little bit of an advantage against who we play. Um, but I guess that'll remain to be seen. Um, but moving on so that I don't talk everyone's ear off about my team. Let's talk about three guys on this, on this podcast team, the Los Angeles Kings. Um, last season, they went 21, 28 and seven for 49 points. They finished sixth in the West division and they did not make the playoffs. Significant gains include Philip, Philip Denol, Alexander Edler and Victor Arvidsson. And they lost really nobody. Um, Tyler, I mean, you're, I know you guys are, you, Eric, um, Alex are huge fans, but you, you're taking these guys on. Why are the Kings going to be better than last year, man? Yep. I think, uh, this is year three of the Todd McClellan era. He signed a five-year contract. I think year three is when we're really going to start to see some real progress with this Kings team. Um, I think Cal Peterson is time for him to be the number one goalie in LA. I think he's going to step into that role. Um, you're going to see, all their young guys take step forwards. I think the big name is Quinton Byfield. I'm going to say right now, he's going to score 20 goals this season. He's going to be, he's going to have a great season. Um, I think he's going to take that step forward. I think he's really going to help this team be excited. He's going to attract free agents to want to come to this team um, to play with that guy. Uh, Kopi and Dowdy, they're going to do their thing. They're, they're two of the best to have ever done it. Um, they're going to be great. They're going to be great uh, veteran leaders on that team. I think Dowdy, you know, I think he's had his, you know, ups and downs and being, being on a losing team. Um, I think when he's motivated, he plays great hockey. I think the Kings are going to be competitive this season. Um, so I think he's going to build that up. Um, also, I heard one point on a, 
on another podcast I was listening to the fact that, you know, we have the Olympics this year. Dowdy loves the Olympics. He, he wants to be known as one of the greatest, you know, Canadian defensemen in the league. So he's going to want to play well to be on that uh, national team going to the Olympics. So I think he's going to have a little bit extra motivation there too. Um, so look for Dowdy to have a great season in LA. Um, I see this team as about a 500 uh, team this year. I think they're going to win um, about, about half their games. They're, they're going to be competitive. Um, I, I'm 50-50 on a playoff team. Um, I think they have a shot. I don't think this division is super great. I think it's very top-heavy. I think there's a lot of room. There's a lot of opportunity there to possibly sneak in. Um, that being said, it's very deep. There are a lot of teams. and um, So I think there's a chance. I think they'll make some noise this season. I think more on the individual standout point more than the team point. But I think it's going to be a season to where at the end of it, we're going to be really excited for what's coming up next. I think we were hoping for that next season. We didn't quite get that. I think this is the season where we're going to be okay. Like these are our new guys that are really going to step up. We're going to see new stars coming through this Kings uh, team. I think individually, you're going to see some really great seasons from their young players. And like I said, I, I think there, I think there's a 50% chance that they can make the uh, playoffs this year. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Alex, I know that you were stuck with this one. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you shit on your team this time? Uh, I mean, I'm going to try to remain as unbiased as possible. Um, I A lot of what Tyler said, I kind of agree with, but like, I mean, the reason the Kings are not going to be great is Jeff Carter's not on that team anymore, obviously, because <laughs> uh, Jeff yeah. Carter's the man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's like my favorite hockey player of all time. So, um, but like, you know, their core of Kopitar, Dowdy, Brown, Quick, like, they're all above 30. Generally, that's not great for hockey players, unless your name is Yarmir Yager. Like, it doesn't go that well. Um, you know, their young guys still need to kind of step up. Like, I love the Quentin Byfield 20 goals statement. Do I think it will actually happen? Probably not. In my, in my heart, yes. Realistically, probably not. I'm not even sure he's going to make the team, like, out of camp. Um it's so hard. I'm so hard to like talk shit about my own team. Um, Cal Peterson needs to step up. I still think probably this year, like realistically, their like ceiling is a wild card spot. Um, I think this will probably still be a year. Like last year, it felt like they did a lot of 50 50 between Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. I kind of think that will happen again this year. Um, unless Cal Peterson just absolutely goes off and like obviously takes over that position. Um, you know, the guys they brought in great pieces. None of them are, you know, going to like turn this franchise around immediately. There's still the Jack Eichel question that's floating out there. I don't think it will happen, but you never know. Um, God, I don't want to touch shit on my own team. They're going to be great. You know, <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, I, I like, I kind of agree with Tyler. Like, I think they're probably about a 500 team. Honestly, I just want to see growth. And as long as we win the California point total, which is like my own personal goal, that's all I care about. As long as we have more points to the Sharks and the Ducks, good enough. There you go. Um, so I, I actually like this team to improve next season or this season rather um, th this, this team has a lot of good young players that are up and coming 
very very similar to the type of situation we're seeing down in in Anaheim but I think that the the Kings are one year ahead does that make sense we're going to see very similar to what we saw with the Kings last season the Anaheim is going to have a kind of a king season like they did last season and we're going to see the Kings take you know they're just kind of one step ahead one 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 season ahead um you know, and I think that's just because they have, you know, they've, they've drafted very well. They've, they've developed very well, but they've also kept a good core of guys to kind of bring those guys up. You still got your Drew Daddies. You still got your Anze Kopitar's. You still got um, Dustin Brown, who's, who's here only for one more year. Um, and then you add Philip Denol, who is a, a classic um, Kings type of player. Victor Harvidson, same type of player. Very, he's going to fit in perfectly with you guys. And, you know, Philip Denol's 28 years old. Victor Harvidson's 20 years old. Those are the kind of players that you need to, you know, get around the, the Kempies, the, um, the uh, Quentin Byfields. Cause I think Quentin Byfield and Alex Turcotte are probably going to make um, impacts as rookies. I think they are going to make the team just because you might as well give them the opportunity um, to push back a little bit on um, you, Alex, you're saying that you think that the goalies are actually going to split. I actually think that you're going to see Cal Peterson take a bigger step in terms of the games. And I say that because just last week or just a few days ago, they signed Cal Peterson to an extension. Um, five million a year for, I believe, three years. Um, so I think that you 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 gotta just give you gotta start handing off the 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 torch to Cal Peterson. It's his turn. Um, and I think they should. Yes, they're going to. I I and, and you and you may be right. Now. And you may be right. Um, but I think that Cal Peterson is gonna find his way to you know having at least sixty percent of games because I think that that's the only way to really develop him. You only have two more years of Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick might even find his way on another team this year in, in a deadline situation if Cal Peterson really takes off. I don't know. I'm just projecting um, since uh, Jonathan Quick does not have a um, no-trade clause. So um, this is an interesting team. Um, there's no shortage of interesting players. Quinton Byfield stands out as the, as the one. 20 goals is kind of insane, but who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be fighting for the Calder trophy. He will be a rookie this year. So look for him to, to, to fucking fight for it. Um, but moving on to the team up North in, in California is the San Jose sharks. Um, last season, they went 21, 28 and seven for 49 points, finished seventh in the West and they did not make the playoffs. They gained Nick Bonino, James Reimer and um, Adam Hill. And they technically lost Martin Jones. He kind of left. Like he kind of left on his own accord. That's the only main main loss. Um, Alex, again, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are they going to be good? Yeah, I mean, look, the Sharks. Like Eric Carlson definitely never gets hurt, so he should be incredible. Um, what's his face? Um, Evander Kane is definitely not going to be a distraction in any way or form, so he should be <laughs> he should be incredible. Um, Logan Couture definitely doesn't look like a hamster. He should be incredible. <laughs> Brett Burns isn't a million years old and can't play defense. He should be incredible. Aiden Hill and James Reimer pretty much should be up for the Vesna. They're incredible. <laughs> the San Jose Sharks are legit. They're so good. Uh, Kylie, if you're listening, stop at this point. Uh, the Sharks are not going to be good, unfortunately. They got stuck. Um, they're, they feel like the worst team in California at this point. Like, they've got, like, to be honest, I mean, Couture is a good player. If Carlson isn't hurt, he's a good player. Brett Burns can still score, but, like, they're going to they're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, they've gone all in. They, unfortunately, never got their Stanley Cup. 
Um, I'm, unfortunately for, you know, Sharks fans, <laughs> not, I don't give a shit. But, um, you know, Andrew Cogliano, that's a what a what a guy. He's gonna make okay. you win a win some games, sure. I, I I mean I don't know what to tell you, Trayton. Like <laughs> you look at you look at this roster, it's it doesn't bring a lot of hope. T- Tyler, why is Tyler or why is Alex right? Yeah, yeah. So I I think everyone on this podcast is happy the sharks suck. Um, I mean, first and foremost, Evander Kane is a cancer disorganization. Um, it's it's a really bad situation of what's going on with him. Um, so that that's going to be a huge distraction. That's a huge blow. I mean, he's, he's, he's their best player and he's not even playing um, for reasons out off the ice that are not going to be good for him. Um, so that's an issue. Number one. Um, and this team lately, you know, I mean, they're, they can't score. They, they, they finished in the bottom five of scoring in the, in the last two seasons. And I don't think it's going to get any better. Um, goaltending a huge question mark. I mean, Martin Jones left and, you know, he, he was their best goalie and he wasn't that good. So um you know, I, I just – I don't know. This team might finish with the worst record in the NHL this year. Um, Whoa. It's, 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 it's pretty abysmal down there in San Jose, which is unfortunate because I, I want – you know, we all love that, that, that tri-rivalry in California. Um, those days when the Sharks, Ducks, and Kings were all, you know, top that division was way more fun than it is right now. Um, so I would like to see the Sharks improve. I just – this is not – it's not going to be a good season in San Jose. There's not much to look forward to. Uh, they need to figure out that Evander Kane situation. Figure that out, then move on from there. But it's it's going to be a rough one. All right, I'm going to try and keep it quick, but I have to I have to back up my fiance here. You know, there's got to be something. And good, look, guys, getting rid of Martin Jones or him leaving might have been the greatest thing that ever happened to this team for the past three seasons. <laughs> I've told I've, I've looked at Kylie and said, you guys aren't going to be good because your goaltending is terrible. And for, and James Reimer and um, Aiden Hill, no, they are not game changers. They are solid goaltenders. And for once, I think the Sharks actually have a strength in goaltending relative to what they had last year. Does that make sense? No, I don't think it's going to win them a, a chance to the postseason. I'm not going to say that or a ticket to the postseason, but it's going to help them win games and keep the puck out of the net because guess what? Teams break down when you let in stupid fucking goals. And that's what that's what Martin Jones does. He's, he's known for that. He's a sieve. He's, a, he's Swiss cheese. Um, so I think that that is actually a huge strength for them. Um, on the other hand, unfortunately, Evander Kane probably can never can never don the uh, the teal again. His teammates want him out, even though he was he it found out that he wasn't actually betting on his on NHL games and stuff, or on at least on his own NHL games and stuff like that, which I thought was bullshit. Anyway, there is clearly an issue off the ice with Evander Kane, and he needs to he needs to go. Um, when you, when your teammates don't want you in the locker room, it's it's time for you to go. Um, there's a lot of money wrapped up in very, very old defense defensemen. And that needs to, they need to figure that out. Um, paying as much as they did to Eric Carlson was, was, was ridiculous. And here we are with a team that probably is easily the worst team in California, but I don't think that they're going to be the worst team in the league. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Cause I think you got a little bit of, you got some good player, really good players. And I think you have solid, solid enough goaltending to make it through. They aren't going to win the make the postseason. I'm sorry, Kylie. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe they'll have a giant. Maybe maybe they're going to look at the Giants and be like, maybe we could do that. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, Don't manifest that, Traden. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. <laughs> All right, moving on to the brand new team, the Seattle Kraken. They're 
2020-2021 record was zero, zero, and zero for zero points because they didn't play. This is their first season. Um, their significant gain, a tire team. Can I? Is that, I mean, that's pretty that's good. Um, who did they lose? Nobody, because <laughs> they only gained. Um, Alex, this is you picked this. T- I mean, you were left with this team, but this is th- yeah. This is you. This is the team. Look, I mean couple benefits for the Kraken they're playing in I think what we can all like honestly say is probably the worst division top to bottom in the NHL um recency bias or history whatever you want to call it like the most recent expansion team everyone thought was going to be trash they made the Stanley Cup final do I think this Kraken team is as good as Vegas was in their inaugural season probably not but Grubauer and Dreiger and Net, that's a really that's a pretty good start. Maybe it's not Mark Andre Fleury, but that's a pretty good start to your franchise. You've got Mark Giordano, who is a you know maybe not the you know defenseman he once was, but if uh, I believe he's the captain, um, or if not, I don't know if if they've named one, but whatever, he will be a great leadership in that clubhouse. They're um, draft was kind of strange. They left guys like Carey Price and um, Tarasenko. Just they just didn't want them. Um, I think a lot of that was a financial decision, which right now seems strange, but probably in the long run might be beneficial. Um, you know, they're not going to run into cap issues. Like I don't. I. It's really hard to predict what this Kraken team will do. Their jerseys are sick, so that's cool. Um, it would not surprise me if they're fighting for a playoff spot. I feel like they could go anywhere from like 90 ish points to like 65. They, the, the gap in which this team can be decent to like kind of shit is like really big. Um, but like Grubauer and Dreyer could carry them and, you know, they could be not terrible. I mean, it feels like this division is pretty top heavy with like, I think what we all agree was like the top two teams in this division, but I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if the Kraken made the playoffs. I just don't think they're as good as like Vegas was in their first season. Um, Eric time to shit on the, the Seattle Kraken, even though they haven't played a game really. Uh, yeah, you know, well, starting off, they picked the fucking flames old captain. And as we said earlier, fuck the flames. So, Therefore, he brings that juju over to the Kraken. Second off, uh, we're not fans of Seattle teams, you know. Fuck the Seahawks, right, James? Um, And Alex and Tyler. So let's compare the hockey team directly to them, too. Um, But, I mean, it's – I think Vegas, you had the the scenario of of being in Vegas, um, the hype, all the fan base that kind of grew upon them. I don't know how that's really going to work out in Seattle. I could be completely wrong, but, you know, I think it's a better environment in Vegas um, for as far as the fans kind of creating a factor. Um, you know, they are probably going to become rivals with Vancouver, who seems to be more on the uprise. Uh, they got they just paid some of their guys. So I don't think Vancouver is going to let them, you know, step on them or bully them around. 
I just don't think that uh, they're going to have the spunk like Vegas did kind of going along with what Alex was saying. So, you know, they got, they did get the good goalies. That's probably the the best thing going for them, but I'm interested to see how their production comes along. Um, and, you know, we'll take it from there. Okay. This team is going to be very hard to score against boys. Um, there's going to be a lot of one goal games here. I mean, you have Philip Grubauer and Chris Dreger who both were technically first you know, starting goaltenders for their respective prior teams. You have a six foot three Adam Larson. You have a six foot four Hayden Fleury, a six foot five Carson Soucy, and a six foot seven Jamie Alexiak as your top four defensemen. This is what you're supposed to do in the in the NHL is build from the back from the net up. And holy fuck, did they do that? Um, I am scared defensively of this team being able to simply score on them. Um, the offense is a little bit questionable because I just don't know if they have necessarily the pedigree that they probably otherwise could, but neither did Vegas. So maybe we'll see some, some, something crazy happen. Um, the player that I'm going to watch probably most besides Adam Larson, because he was a very, very great um, uh, Edmonton weather for me, for me and my, uh, my dad um, happens to be Yanni Gord. Um, Yanni Gord is going to be given a chance to be the first line center. In a, in a team from a team that he was a the, one of the best, if not the best third line center in the league, he's now going to have a chance to lead an entire line at the top level. Um, and this is an opportunity for him to, to show that he can do it. And I think he can, I really do. I think that there's a lot there and I'm, I'm rooting for him. He's one of my favorite players in the NHL. Um, so go Yanni Gord, please, please take this um, opportunity and run with it. Um, Seattle is going to be fun to watch boys and those jerseys. Oh, they're beautiful. Um, moving on to the Vancouver Canucks. Last season, they went 23-29-4 for a record 50 points. They finished seventh in the North. They did not make the playoffs. Significant gains in- include Yaroslav Halak, Connor Garland, Oliver ekman Larson, and Jason Dickinson. Significant losses include Alexander Edler, Braden Holtby, and Nate Schmidt, and Louis Erickson. And as of now, they actually just um, signed um, our boy Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to extensions. Um, thank God, because that team would have been shit without them. Um, Eric, you like this team. If you were muted. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um, like I said, Hughes and Pedersen got paid like a week ago. Um, these guys are, you know, kind of the cornerstone of the team. They kind of surprised us a couple of years back, almost, you know, taking out Vegas in a game seven, almost going to the Western Conference finals. So I think they're going to kind of go back to where they were. They did have a terrible start last year. They got fucked with COVID. I think literally like half of their team went down plus of like mainly the whole staff that kind of threw them off. They almost still made a run for it in the end. Uh, I do remember there was like meaningless games on like during the playoffs and we were all rattled by that. Like it was like flames Canucks, both teams were eliminated already, but they were playing the games out because those were the ones missed from COVID, but they pick up a guy like Connor Garland. He was a grinder, uh, actually a top player from the coyotes. You just never heard about him because he was on the shitty Coyotes. Um, But I think he's going to be a good fit for this team. Guys like JT Miller that came over there, you know, similar style to him. Uh, So they got kind of those grinder guys that can produce. And then, you know, they still keep kept our boy Tanner Pearson. Um, That's a guy who's going to keep the team in check, uh, especially come playoff time. You know, if they can kind of 
hang on during the, the regular season and squeeze into a playoff spot, I think they'll be fine. They got guys like Pearson who have the experience. Um, and the goalie situation, you know, it should be sufficient enough to get them into the playoffs. Um, one last thing is all the focus is on Seattle now. You know, maybe with Vegas, that set the precedent before people are going to be all, all about Seattle seeing um, setting their expectations. So that may take a little pressure off the Canucks. I like that. Um, Alex, you were left with, you know, against the Vancouver Canucks. So why are they going to Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to suck if I'm just going to be completely honest. Like I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think most, or if not all of us picked them to make the playoffs last year and they just had, I mean, they just had a disaster of a season. I mean, they like their whole team got COVID and they had to play like a million games in like two weeks and it, you know, they just got screwed. Um, you know, I think ugh, it's hard to pick against them. Like looking at this team, it's maybe not as good as the Knights or definitely does not have the, you know, obviously skill players as the Oilers, but the Canucks feel like at least to me, like a solid third place team in this division. Um, I don't, I mean, they're, you know, Thatcher Demko, Halak, like those are very serviceable goalies. They got OEL. That's a huge pickup from the Yotes. You know, if they stay healthy, that's, you know, that will be super beneficial. I was really worried about the um, Pedersen Hughes situation. Like if they did not get signed, the distraction of all that, but that seems to be fine now. I mean, this kind of feels like a team that, you know, again, we've talked about this a lot, like has kind of gone laterally. But because their last year was such a disaster, laterally for them means going up anyway. Like, I know that sounds really stupid, but I don't, I don't think this is like a Stanley Cup contender. I think they could surprise some teams. It wouldn't surprise me if they made the playoffs. But also, like, it feels fragile a little bit. Like, if they have one or two injuries, it feels like a team that could fall apart very quickly. Um scoring you know should be okay i think their defense and goaltending should be good enough but if any of those top guys get hurt i think vancouver could fall pretty quickly um which you know would not be good for canucks fans yeah i'm actually i'm actually excited for this team because they finally have a a near um rival i mean they i mean now that seattle's here i think clearly they're going to push for that um you know, Pacific Northwest um, rivalry. And I think it'll be fun because it's going to be a hop, skip and a jump between those teams. And, um, you know, I think that's going to make for some good hockey. Um, Vancouver ranked very poorly offensively last year, but a lot of that had to do with Elias Pedersen out for half, half of the season. And when he was in the season, something just seemed off. He just did not seem right. And, um, you know, I had noticed that from the very beginning. Um, but I have, I assume he'll make a bounce back. He got paid. He's going to, he's going to have a bounce back. Um, Hoaglander was developed very well. And I think he's going to be a strong presence up there. Quinn Hughes offensively is fantastic. Defensively, he struggled. And I worry about that. Um, I worry about this. This blue line could be extremely good offensively and could be terrible defensively, but may, Oliver Ekman Larson has shown very poor defense in the last couple of years, but maybe he's going to come back and be like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do what I do best, what I used to do best and, and shut it down. Um, so this, to your point, Alex, I think this is going to be very much a, I, I don't know where they're going to go. I think sideways is probably a base case. They could, they could surprise, 
Um, I think if, if every, if everything starts to um, fit in nice, I mean, the goaltending is fine. Um, and if the defense can figure out um, their defensive struggles and the offense can, can chip in like they normally do, I think that they're going to be fine. I think it's going to be a fight for, for a wild card spot for this team, I think. Um, and it's going to be fun to see them play Seattle this year. Um, that'll be, that'll, that'll be very fun. Uh, finally rounding out our last team of the division breakdowns. Um, and that's going to be the Vegas golden Knights. Um, last season, they went 40, 14 and two, um, for 82 points. They finished second in the West and lost four, two to the Montreal Canadians in the semifinals. Significant gains include Laurent Bossois, Evgeny, um, Dadonov and Nolan Patrick significant losses include Mark Andre Fleury for fucking nothing and Cody glass. Um, Tyler, I know that you're kind of on this, you like this team. So why do you still like this team? Yeah, obviously shocked the world a little bit uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury leaving. Um, I think this team has a belief in Leonard kind of being that guy. Um, obviously, uh, track record would suggest that's kind of crazy because Marc-Andre Fleury is, uh, was such a liked player there in uh, Vegas. Uh, easily the most liked player, I think, on, on with, 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 with the fans. However, you know, this team is one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. That's what they build their success, success on. on. They will continue to do that this season. I think they're they're extremely good defensively. Um, obviously, they just haven't quite gotten it all the way through to, to win a Stanley Cup championship. That's going to be that's them again this year. It's it's a Stanley Cup or bust, which is really incredible. You know, for a team that's only been around for four years, you know they've been in the mix every single year. Um, so can they put the right pieces together come playoff time? Obviously, the, the, those uh, top two lines are as scary as any team. Um, what their biggest piece they've been lacking is that top line center. Um, they didn't really do much to kind of add to that. So um, to be honest, I don't know how good this team is going to be come playoff time. I don't know if they're Stanley cup favorites. Um, they're definitely going to be in contention. They're definitely going to win this division, I think by a long shot. Um, so they're, they're going to continue to play very good defensively sound hockey. The really the, the biggest question for them is scoring. Um, can they score enough goals, especially come playoff time? That's been their Achilles heel. Um, I still don't know, um, but I do think that um, this team's still going to win a lot of hockey games and they're going to be very competitive. Um, and I, I think clear, clear favorites to, to win the, the, the Pacific division. All right. And because the, uh, the alphabetical order really sucks, James, I haven't heard your voice in seemingly a half hour. <laughs> so thank god you're gonna be back why are you why do you why are you not on the the knight's bandwagon okay so i just want to clarify saying i'm not on it because i mean they're gonna do well regular season like i agree with tyler they're gonna make the postseason they're probably gonna win this division that's all gonna be said and done i don't think anybody's gonna argue that what i am gonna argue is how far they're gonna make it in the playoffs because they haven't done well before they don't do well under pressure and that's mark stone saying that that's your captain saying that and a number of other players from Vegas key players who they haven't really changed out have said the exact same thing they falter under pressure they don't do well when the lights are big for some reason I don't know what it is maybe it's because Vegas and the expectations are placed on them way too high because of the success they've had the first couple of years that they've been around but the fact of the matter is when the, it comes down to the big moment they don't do well a lot like the stats show it themselves too uh during the regular season, they didn't have the best power play. But in the postseason, their power play dropped to 9%. They had zero power play goals in the six out of 15 tries in the six games against the Montreal Canadiens. They struggled big time. 
And it's not going to help losing what is what many people think is the face of the franchise in Mark Andre Fleury. He was the big signing or the big um, the big pick when this expansion draft first happened. One of the biggest nights first co- like coming out there. He was the dude. Like he was the poster boy for this team. And now he's gone. He won the Vesna last year. And now he's gone. I mean, Leonard's a great goalie, but he's a little outspoken right now. He's saying some shit about um, how Nolan Patrick's head injury was managed in Philadelphia. Like he's, and he could be saying the good, the right things, but that's putting a lot of press that doesn't need to be put on him right now, right before season, on a team that doesn't do well under pressure to begin with. So now they're even more under the microscope. This team is going to be good in the regular season. I just don't know how far they're going to do in the postseason. I, I really like your analysis, both Tyler and James, um, particularly James, the way that you bring out the fact that this team buckles under pressure and they, and they really do. And I don't know if it's it, – what's ironic is I think that they, they don't have enough adversity. And I know that sounds absurd because everybody was against them the first season. And to be fair, that year they made it to the Stanley Cup um, final. And again, to be, f- to be further fair, we were, they were playing a team that has been going after the Stanley Cup every single fucking year for five years straight in the Washington Capitals. And there was no way they were going to lose that. But then beyond that, they don't really ju- – they, they, everything was so perfect for them that first year and they haven't had the adversity – that they, they've needed and, and they haven't stepped up to the adversity that, that comes at them. And, and I think that that, you know, shows a lot. I mean, you, I look at Tampa Bay, they got, they got, they got swept by the worst team in the, in the playoffs, you know, one year, and then they go on and win two Stanley cups. They figured it out. They faced the adversity and they answered the, the Vegas golden Knights haven't um, offensively. They, they just, they just buckle in the, on the off season, or I'm saying the postseason, And, and so I agree with you there. Um, James, I'm glad you brought up Robin Leonard. Um, um, and I guess we're kind of done with our division breakdowns, but to go off of what you just said there, um, even though it's going to be a week old, I am starting, um, a, a new series, um, very similar to Tyler's Odams, um, called Holy Puck Moments of the Week. Um, and this is my way of saying that, that just, we will be discussing that, um, next week, even though it will be a week old, maybe we'll have a little bit more information and we can, we can have a, have a good um, conversation on that. But so tune in for that. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to these division breakdowns. Um, they're very fun to do. The guys did a fantastic job, um, breaking, breaking down this, uh, this league. Um, like I said, next, um, starting next week, we're going to have some Holy puck moments. It's going to be very fun talking about the news of the, uh, of hockey and no, it won't go on for 45 minutes like these have. So you'll enjoy that too. So thank you. Thank you, James. And when's the first game of the season? The first game of the season is next Tuesday, um, October 12th. And I believe it is on ESPN. So, Oh, that's cool. So everybody that was trading divisional previews and we've gone through a lot of teams Let's see, starting on Tuesday of next week, let's see how often we are right about our predictions. I hope we'll be pretty right. That'd be cool. But, Trayden, once again, thank you very much. I know these are really hard to do. You did a fantastic job. We're going to take another quick break real fast, but when we return, Alex is going to go with the poop teams of the West in the NBA. Not the food, but the poop. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a nice, quick drink of beer or water, whatever you like. Coffee, maybe tea. 
tea tastes like paper water, according to Ted Lasso. So, uh, like I said, we're moving back to the NBA. And Alex did the East a couple weeks ago. Now we're doing the West, the bottom of the West. Alex, it's all you. Yes, thank you, James. Um, you know, unfortunately, the math doesn't work well. So, again, we're doing the bottom seven teams, um, you know, like what would be the normal playoff system, even though I believe the NBA is still going to do the whole uh, top six, bottom four play-in tournament thing what? again, at least through this year. Hopefully they go back the following year. But this was just the best way to split it up because in the NBA divisions don't matter. So I didn't really know another way to do it. So we're doing it this way. Uh, the boys did much better this time. Uh, they all actually picked two teams. Tyler is the only one that's going to get one because the other boys responded to the group text more quickly. And that's how we do it here on the TLDR <laughs> podcast. Uh, starting with the Houston Rockets with a abysmal record of 17 and 55. They finished last in the Western Conference last year. Out, uh, you know, notable notable players leaving Avery Bradley and Kenny uh, Kelly Olynyk in Jalen Green. Uh, James, you wanted to talk about the Rockets. Good, the bad, the ugly, probably mostly the ugly. Uh, go for it. So I really wanted this team to do well last season because James Harden left with so much spite and anger that I was like, I don't like James Harden. I want to see his old team do well without him. And I was so wrong that it's so terrible. It wasn't, this team was unwatchable. Uh, but what we did find out is that this, this team has a lot of young talent and a lot of potential. And they're not too far away from being a good team. Christian Wood, the center, big seven-footer, 21 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. This guy's a double-double machine. And if he can stay healthy, which he did not do, but if he can, this guy's a budding superstar. Kevin Porter Jr., who was traded last season from, I think, Cleveland, I think it was, 16 points, 66 per game. Another guy who can score at will. I think he dropped 43 points one night. This guy went off. He missed most of the game, most of the year due to injury as well. So reoccurring theme here is this team would have been a little bit better than they were, except for injuries. And last but not least, they uh, or they also had Jay Sean Tate, who's actually blossoming as a lockdown defender. He reminds me a lot of Ben Simmons. Just not as good just yet. We'll see. It's a it's second year. He's not even 22 yet. He's going to be crazy good at def- at, on defense. But the biggest guy I want to talk about was Jalen Green, second overall pick in 2021. He had he spent some time in the G League, so he knows how the NBA game works. And he's coming out as probably the most seasoned scorer that this draft had to offer. He's projected to put up at least 20 points a night. It's early, but I think he's going to be my favorite for rookie of the year. Uh, this season, John Wall's command said he will not play for the Rockets, and Eric Gordon, who's 32 years old, probably won't play either because he's too old and will get injured often. The fact of the matter is, this team is going to be bad, but they're going to use it as another year to kind of rebuild, be better. They have good coaching staff, um, a lot of good chemistry, a lot of positive vibes there. If this team can stay healthy and can develop in the near future, three to four years, this team will be good. Yeah. Um... You know, credit to the Rockets because they went for it. Um, unfortunately for the Rockets, when they went for it, the Golden State Warriors were, well, the Golden State Warriors, and they could not get past them in the playoffs. Um, you know, fuck Mike D'Antoni as always. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, and I'm not a big James Harden guy, but they went for it. I mean, James Harden, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, like they did go for it. They just, it just didn't happen. And, you know, James Harden did leave on a pretty sour note. But you're right, James, like, 
they've got some guys, um, you know, hopefully within the next couple of years, they'll be back to being a little bit more competitive. But if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you know, this year you're just looking for growth from your, from your young guys and just hoping, you know, things don't go even more downhill, but the Rockets are probably not going to be great this year, but they should be good a couple of years down the road. Uh, speaking of teams, I have a lot of picks. The Oklahoma City Thunder finished 14th with a 22-50 and 50 record. Out is Al Horford, kind of the only notable guy that left. I mean, he didn't even play most of the season. In Derek Favors, and then their two um, first-round pitch picks, Josh Giddy was sixth overall, and Trey Mann was 18th overall. Eric, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, they've got one star in Shea Gildress-Alexander and a whole lot of question marks. What do you see with the Thunder this year? You know, I think actually uh, it's showing that they have a good development system, even though they were like a doormat team last year. You know, you having a guy like Shea Gildress uh, sticking around, you know, he got a big giant contract. This guy was actually mentored by CP3. It was only one year, but you just see how much it, you know, got him to grow. Um, and, you know, so that guy's the leader of the team. Having him as a leader um, is going to show down the way that they can continue to grow and develop. Um, you know, seeing a guy like him commit to staying there is, is a, it's a good sign. Um, this guy, Josh Giddy, apparently there's some big hype on him. He was the NBL uh, rookie of the year last year, I believe. So kind of like a guy like we talk about, um, you know, like LaMelo playing in another league as a pro already. So he's coming in now with a little bit of pro experience on his belt. Um, you, we've seen that actually, you know, do do favors in, in the NBA for some of these guys. So I think uh, it's going to get a little better. I think kind of like the way that James uh, talked about the Ducks is the way I think of this team. Like they're on, you know, or maybe it was trading. They hit the bottom. They have a ton of picks. Uh, they got their captain, their leader, and now they just got to grow and develop off of that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they still have a million picks because they pretty much traded anyone that has any name value at this point. I mean, um, the Thunder, I agree. I think they've they've hit the rock bottom. They're on their way back up. Similar to the Rockets, where I think they'll be really good in a couple of years, they're just going to need a lot of time to do that, and they're going to need a lot of these picks to kind of pan out, which is a good strategy, but, you know, a lot of picks don't pan out, unfortunately. So hopefully for OKC, these picks do pan out and they become – uh, you know, contenders again after, you know, being contenders for so long during the KD Russell Westbrook years, but we'll have to see what happens in OKC. Uh, moving on to a pretty disappointing team, pretty much feels like all the time, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, they finished 13th in the West with a 23 and 49 record out Jarrett Culver and Ricky Rubio in Pat Bev. <laughs> Who knows with that dude what's going on he's in minnesota they've been linked to the whole ben simmons situation they still got cat they still got um d'angelo russell um they still got anthony edwards this team feels like it should be better than this training are they going to be better this year dude 
I don't know. I mean, they just fired management recently. I mean, everything, everything is going to be kind of a crapshoot at this point. This team doesn't really scream they're going to be good. Um, I, I don't know what bringing Pat Bev is going to do, to be honest with you. I don't, I mean, I, I know what he, what he did with, I mean, I kind of know what he did with the, the Clippers. I just don't know what he's going to do with a team that doesn't, I don't know if they need a player like that. If, if, cause they're kind of like developing, I don't know if they need a player that that's quite like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of this team. Um, you know, they, they weren't very great last season. I, I, I just don't know if they're, if, if they're going to have it now, I will say that they're going to have some continuity. There's a lot of players that are staying so that they're, they're going to build together. D'Angelo Russell's um, going to be hopefully healthy. Um, and, you know, the new coach came, the new coach came in, I think halfway through the season and they're going to have him for a full season. So maybe it's going to take some, a little bit, they, they just a little bit of time to adjust and maybe they're going to get that. And this new coach has a full off season to kind of get the team together and a full season to kind of, you know, get them working together. Um, um, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell working together. Hopefully will actually work like they expected. Um, I don't know what, you, what, what to expect with Pat Bev. I, I, I don't think that the management firing is going to be a huge issue. I, I don't know what to make of this team. I think that they're probably going to be a bottom feeder, but I think, I hope that they're going to be kind of a, 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 um, you know, kind of that sideways look, l- looking in the right direction. The new ownership's interesting. We talked about this last season with uh, with A Rod taking over as as a part owner. So hopefully he brings some flair, um, and he brings a reason for players to want to actually go to Minnesota. But I mean, Pat Bev went there, so there, there's a start, I guess. Uh, I mean, he got traded there, so he didn't like have a whole lot of choice. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I think for the Timberwolves, like they're in the Western Conference, yeah. and like Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar. There's no doubt about it. You know, D'Angelo Russell has been a very good player and all-star in this league, but has, has had his up and downs. Some of that is injury issues. I mean, Anthony Edwards, number one overall pick last year, had a breakout season. He was really good for the T-Wolves last year. I kind of like the Pat Bev pick for like pickup for them. He brings tenacity, which, you know, I can't say that, any of those other guys have, um, you know, he's obviously come from generally a winning culture kind of in the Clippers most recently, obviously they haven't won the, the big one yet, but they've been a much more competitive franchise in the last decade than they were their entire history before that. Um, and if anything, he'll bring energy and tenacity and just, you know, fuel to that team. I think this team should be better. I don't know if I can, consider them a playoff contender right now i just it's really hard with the timberwolves because like it feels like for the last five years we think they should be better and then they're just terrible and then they get the number one overall pick and then they're terrible and then they're kind of good and then they're terrible again like i don't know what's going on in minnesota people are getting fired constantly i don't know if they need to just start all over again that feels really disappointing for them but they need to do this needs to be a growth year or it wouldn't surprise me if Carl Anthony Towns is like, I'm done. Get me out of here. And because of the NBA, you can ask to be traded. And unless you're Ben Simmons, they pretty much trade you. So we'll have to see what happens in Minnesota. I think this is an actually a really interesting team to watch either depending on if they're much better or where their star players end up going. Um, moving up to the Sacramento Kings. 
kind of another team that hasn't made the playoffs in a really long time, constantly disappointing. Um, they finished 12th. Um, you know, they, for a second there, looked like they might be able to fight their way into that play-in tournament. They did not make it. Uh, they ended up 31 and 41. Out are Kyle Guy, Hassan Whiteside, and DeLon Wright, in Alex Len and Tristan Thompson. Eric, the Sacramento Kings, one of the most boring franchises ever. Are they going to be fighting for, uh, you know, one of those playing games, playoff spot? What's going on up there in Sacramento? Yeah, you know, two possible ways. Uh, the usual, which is complete dog shit, bottom three spot of the West while being a doormat. Um, or, you know, getting into that that playing game like you just mentioned. Um, a little bit of an Angels scenario going on with them in the sense of uh, De'Aaron Fox has – you know, been over there his whole career. He's literally the fastest player uh, in the league, according to sports science metrics, not a big deal. And he is a pretty talented superstar. Um, you just never hear about him because he's on the boring, terrible Sacramento Kings, as you just pointed out. So, you know, I think uh, that they finally got something out of one of their draft picks um, in their rookie of last year. Uh, Halliburton is his name, I believe. And, he uh, showcased himself pretty well last year. He looks like something that's finally like a positive direction for them. Finally, a guy that they draft that, you know, besides De'Aaron Fox that uh, can contribute to this team. But I think what they really need to do is just set their goals as like being the play-in team. Like our ceiling this year is getting into that one-game playoff and giving us a chance to, to squeeze into the playoffs. You know, they'll ha have to play a tough team first round if they were to get in, but at least build that experience for guys like Halliburton and hopefully Darren Fox since he, I guess he did get a contract extension not um, long ago. So, yeah, we'll, we'll really, we'll see. I don't really have many hopes for them and I won't be paying attention to them either. But yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately for the Sacramento Kings, um, they're not the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Warriors, so they're never going to be a huge free agent destination, and that's just part of the deal, being in Sacramento, unfortunately. Um, you know, they've been terrible for a long time. They've really only hit on, like, two of their draft picks in Boogie Cousins and De'Aaron Fox. Like, they have not been good since the five of us were under 10 years old. Like, it's been two decades. Like, since the Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Peja Stojakovic days, the Kings have not been good. Um, De'Aaron Fox, you know, if he didn't play in Sacramento, would probably be a huge superstar. He is super fun to watch. I, you know, I hope the Kings do better. But I, I agree with you, Eric. I think they need to be realistic, set their sights on that play-in tournament, um, and just look for growth. They're still a pretty young team still. Hopefully they'll be better because, you know, they're treading on the Seattle Mariners side of things where it's just getting embarrassing that they haven't made the playoffs in this long, especially in the NBA where, you know, at this point now, 10 out of the 15 teams in each conference make playoffs. I mean, if you want to call the play in tournament a playoffs, but again, Sacramento, just be better. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay. Moving on to, Probably one of the more disappointing teams of last season, the New Orleans Pelicans. They finished with an identical record of 31 and 41, but they finished as the 11 seed. Didn't really matter. 
Um, out, Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, in Devontae Graham and Jonas Valanciunas. Ty Ty, um, again, you you got this one because everyone else picked everybody else. Yeah. But the Pelicans, you know, I think we all considered them like a dark horse playoff candidate last year after Brandon Ingram, you know, had a breakout season the year before. Zion Williamson, they faltered down the, you know, faltered in the season. What are, what are your expectations for the Pelicans this year? I, I think they're about the same as they were last year. I don't really think they really improved a whole lot in uh, the offseason. I don't think they got much worse in the offseason. Um, as you mentioned, I do think that they underperformed. I think we expect this team to be better than what they finished. Um, so I think they can possibly be better in terms of the standings where they finish uh, this year if they can – uh, perform up to what we expect them to, to do. I think kind of establishing the core guys around Zion is going to be a huge uh, goal for them this season. Who are those guys that are going to build around Zion and be those guys that you're going to, you know, bring up. Um, that's going to be huge. So I think identifying that um, will really help this team grow. Um, there's still a lot of question marks, um, but I do think that they will be in the mix for that playing tournament. Um, again, this year, I think they, they, they've got a real shot at, doing, at making that. Um, so I, I, my the expectation for this team is just, like I said, I think the same as last year. I think they're a potential play in tournament team. Um, they've got some really exciting players, Zion, Ingram, um, but can they develop the other guys around them to be better? Um, that's going to be the, be the key for, for the Pelicans. Um, so we'll see if they squeak in there. If they do, it's going to be a nine or 10 seed. Um, I don't think it's going to be much more than that. Yeah. Um, quick question. And I, you know, I haven't asked you this before, but so they were 10 games under 500, you know, 31 and 41. Can they sniff a 500 record this year? Do you think? I think it's possible. Like I said, it, I think they did underperform. Um, I think that they're, they can do that. Um, I'm not very confident that they can be about a 500 team, but I think it's within what they have currently to, to be that 500 team. I think that would be a successful season. Um, if they can make that 500 team, if they can make that, like play a meaningful playoff game. Um, and like I said, having that step forward with those guys around their uh, star guys, I think that will be a successful season for, for, for them. Yeah. I mean, and you know, something I just thought of, this is now the, this will be Zion's third season in the NBA, which seems incredible already. First season, you know, started off hurt COVID between the end of that season and this next season this will be the first, you know, kind of normal season for him, hopefully, assuming, you know, the COVID thing is okay. You know, I, you know, I feel like we see a lot of, you know, there's the, it's called the sophomore slump for a reason, even though he had a great year last year, you know, maybe we'll see extra growth from him. Brandon Ingram, same thing. I don't know how much more growth we can see from him. He's, you know, I feel like he's kind of hit his potential, but I, I agree with you. I think they're, Similar to the Kings in the fact that there should be their goal should be one of those play in tournament teams. They feel like a much better team than the Sacramento Kings, though. So if they end up finishing below the Kings or like the Timberwolves, that feels like a failure of a season to me. If they make the play in tournament, I think that would be a successful season for the New Orleans Pelicans, especially with how top heavy this Western Conference is. You know, unlike the Eastern Conference, where we feel like there's, you know, maybe three really good teams and then a lot of middling teams and some shit teams. The Western conference still has like eight really good teams and the rest are kind of all over the place. Um, moving on to 
I, you know, I think probably one of the more confusing teams in the NBA this year is the San Antonio Spurs after, you know, two decades of dominance, it's finally kind of caught up with them. Uh, they finished 33 and 39 and lost the uh, first playing game to the Grizzlies. So they were out. Uh, so out of San Antonio, DeMar DeRozan, Dang, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills in Alfarak Aminu, Zach Collins, Doug McDermott, Thaddeus Young. A lot of change. Obviously, they still have Greg Popovich, um, who, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. But this feels like a transition season for the Spurs. James, you wanted to talk about San Antonio. Uh, what do you think is going on down there in Texas? So the Spurs are this fascinating team. They're like the one team in the NBA that doesn't have a bona fide superstar. Like if you talk to your average NBA fan, you're like, name somebody on the Spurs. They won't be able to name one. Like Trayden's shaking his head because he's like, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is they have one of the youngest rosters in the NBA and they're kind of led by DeJounte Murray, who actually is slowly having one of his, had his better season last year. Coming off an injury, he had four triple doubles, all-around player, can handle the ball well, can run pop system really well. And the beauty about pop system is that you don't have to have a superstar. They kind of moves the ball around to figure out who's open. So on any given night, you're going to have somebody shooting the ball and making 30 points. But it's not going to be the same guy every single night. Not anymore. And on top of that, you also have Kelton Johnson, who actually played in the Olympics, had success in the Olympics. He does wonder, I mean, play, doing well in the Olympics does wonders for a young player's psyche. So I'm looking forward to him doing well again this season. It's tough when you have DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay, who just leave. <clears throat> but, I mean, honestly, this team is led by Pop, so they're probably going to be hovering around 500 on the season. That's going to be it, man. Like, that, they need a couple more years to mature, having one of the youngest teams. So I think 500 on the season is a pretty good goal for them. Yeah, I think 500 should be a goal. I don't think they're going to get there. I think – New Orleans could be better than them. I think Minnesota could possibly be better than them. That's a weird thing to say, you know, from growing up, the you know, in the age of basketball that we did, the Minnesota Timberwolves could possibly be better than San Antonio Spurs. Sentence that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Kind of like the Cleveland Browns are a Super Bowl contender. Like the sentence doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I've, you know, I think the Spurs, they had a, obviously an incredible run. Eventually it had to end and they kind of feel like they're in that end of an era transitional phase that the Lakers went through, like post post Kobe and, you know, end of Kobe's career post Kobe. And it's going to take them a couple of years to get back there. I, do I think San Antonio is going to get a player like LeBron James to sign up with them? Unfortunately, probably not. Kind of the same problem with, um, you know, Sacramento is San Antonio is not exactly like a destination place for NBA players you know, when there was Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and Greg Popovich, a little bit that, you know, only one of those guys is still there. And that's Greg Popovich. I guess Tim Duncan's a coach now. So it's just, he's technically still there, but I think the Spurs feel like a team that's going to end somewhere in that 12 to 13 range this season. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Popovich is like ready to call it quits pretty soon here. He had a great run, you know, he's getting up there. Might want to retire soon. We'll have to see. Um, okay, last team, 
Again, probably one of the more confusing teams in the NBA this season, the Golden State Warriors. They finished the season in the ninth spot at 39 and 33, ended up losing to the Lakers and then the Grizzlies in that play in tournament. So they did not make that final eight. Out Kent Bazemore, Jordan Bell, Nico Mannion, Kelly Oubre in Andre Iguodala and Ricky's Kuminga and uh, Moody. And I'm going to count it as back in Clay Thompson. Uh, he hasn't played in like two years. He's not going to start the season. Um, I've heard January is kind of like a rough estimate for when Clay Thompson could come back. Trade in. You're a fake Warriors fan. Kylie is a real Warriors fan. What are the Warriors going to be this year? Oh, this is tough. Um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because if, if you don't have this play in tournament, then they're the eighth seed, right? We would have talked about them in the, in the food series, not the poo series. Um, but unfortunately, given the playing situation, they, they couldn't pull it together for two, for one of two games and ended up in the poo, poo, poo group. Um, if look, I look at this team and I look at how they played last year. No, I don't think anybody expected them to make the playoffs or, and they actually had a, a decent shot. Um, you know, Steph Curry had an MVP, MVP le- level. Um, Draymond Green, while you guys hate on him, he was he was still very impactful. Offensively, not so much, but defensively, um, Golden State was nine was scoring at nine point six points per hundred possessions better when he was on the floor. Uh, that's that, that's that's fantastic. Defensively, he's he's he and his playmaking was very impactful for this team and despite him being very, very old and in your, in your guys' words, overrated, he still makes an impact on this team and he will continue to do that. Um, as long as, as long as he plays that style, um, you, you, you do have Andrew Wiggins who's, who's who is going to stay. He did, uh, he did get his vaccination. So he is able to play in, um, in the chase center, um, which is, which is good for them. I thought that they were pretty much screwed. I don't know what they were going to do without, without, um, Andrew Wiggins there. Um, James Wiseman is an inch, is an interesting young guy who who can who can make contributions. If Steph Curry has an MVP like season, we saw what we saw that they could beat. I mean, anybody on any given night, and that's just enough to get you to the playoffs. And then you 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 wait until January, and then you have your other splash brother enter the um come back on the team. Look, he is not going to be any close to what he is normally. Like it's just not going to happen. There's no there's a zero percent chance that happens. I don't know what we're going to get out of Clay Thompson. Um, Outside of Curry, I don't know what talent they have. That that's a big that's part of the, your confusing um, mantra that you that you talk about, Alex. I don't know what to expect from this team outside of outside of Curry and outside of where Clay Thompson's going to be when he returns because we know he's not going to be the same player. It's just not going to happen. I don't know if he'll ever be the same player. I mean, those are two injuries that are, are like very hard to come back from, especially when you're the type of player that he is a a key piece to a playoff, you know, contending team. Um, they have Wiggins, which is great, but their durability is questionable. They have, I mean, Andre Iguodala is coming back as he, I, I really like that guy, but he's 37 years old. Um, Steph Curry's turning 34. James, Draymond Green's 31 years old and he plays a hard nosed basketball. Like these guys, I don't know if they can handle a full season, you know, and, and be able to compete in the playoffs um, or even make it in the playoffs, let alone get, um, um, compete. Um, I will say that they probably they probably can make the playoffs if, if, you know, if Steph has an MVP like season, if they play well enough to, to bring back clay, cause he's going to make somewhat of an impact. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but I don't think that they're, they're necessarily going to be a contending team yet. Um, 
though I will say this, this team, once Clay's back, a team that's actually going to start, you know, winning and developing or, or winning again is going to become a destination for teams again. And that's the biggest thing in this league, right? Like all you guys, all this league is about, which I think is fucking stupid, but this is how it is, is you just gather the, gather three great players and then you just gather enough players around them to, to be good and, and compete for, for a championship. That's how it goes. You just, you make a team that looks the most enticing for, for, for players that are transitioning from one team to another. And whoever has the best three in that given situation, with the other you know, guys doing something, wins the championship. That's how it goes. You finally have a Warriors team that is actually interesting to go to from a, from a player's perspective. So that's, that's something that they have going for them. Um, and I think that's going to come down to it. I mean, I think they have to be good enough to make the playoffs. They might be able to make some moves at the trade deadline and see what they can do with that. The young players are questionable. I don't know if they're going to be able to carry the load. If they, do, if they can, great. If they can't, don't expect them to go far in the playoffs. Uh, but again, who knows who they can grab in this uh, in this postseason, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, in the uh, yeah, you know, leading up to the. Oh, go ahead. So, that's, yeah, yeah, that's all I got, man. Yeah, the Warriors are sort of like the Kraken, where they could finish much higher up in the standings, or they can miss out on the playoffs. Really tough to tell. Um, if you're looking at the teams that, I mean, yeah, so actually, Traden did mention this. Technically, the Warriors finished eighth in the. Um, standings last year but because they ended up losing this play in tournaments the way the nba did it they finished ninth that's how i did it i know it's kind of weird no, but you did it right though whatever they fin- they ended up finished ninth because they didn't technically make the playoffs because the playing tournament was not making the playoffs but um you know looking at the teams ahead of them there are two injuries for key players in paul george and i mean sorry Kawhi leonard and jamal murray you know, realistically, if Clay Thompson comes back and the Warriors play well, they could finish above those teams. I still think this Warriors team is probably better than the Grizzlies. So, like, I think ceiling is like a four to five seed for the Warriors. The floor is they miss the playoffs. I don't know where they're going to go. You're right. Iggy's 37. Um, you know, Steph feels like he could play forever because he he's the best shooter we've ever seen. He's never been great defensively. That's just not part of his game. And it, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from Clay this year. I love Clay Thompson. I hope he comes back to what he, close to what he was. Because to be honest, he's probably a better all around basketball player than Steph Curry. But Steph Curry is just a generational all time talent. But Clay, the defense, the shooting, like he's legit. I think the X factor is Andrew Wiggins. You know, the vaccination thing, I don't really want to get into. He ended up getting it, so he'll play. He's a you know, former number one overall pick. He could be legit, and we've seen him be very good at times. We've seen him play pretty mediocre at other times. If he can be if he can be the player that like the Warriors hope he can be, he can be great. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they're gonna go. I think somewhere between four and ten is somewhere where they'll end up. And that feels like the team that has the biggest, you know, gap in where they could end up at the end of the season. So Warriors fans, we'll have to see what happens. I have no idea. I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. It all predicates on health and performance. It's just, you know, technically every team, but it's kind of more prevalent with this team. But uh, James, that's it. Next week, we'll get into the food teams, as we're now calling them. Uh, the teams that finished in the top eight. And then the NBA season's right around the corner.
very excited for the food teams because it's the West and it's going to be competitive. So I feel like I'm going to have a lot to say about that. So it'll be good. Alex, thank you very much. The poop teams are fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. Our last break of the day, of the night. Depends on when you're listening to it. It's going to be Eric with a segment that's non-sports related, kind of, but also sports related. You'll, you'll hear about it. See you soon. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting DimerUV.com and at DimerUV on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's Dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Heroes versus villains. It's a great storyline for a movie. What about sports? Eric, tell us all about it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of about sports, kind of not about sports, but mainly about sports, as you said earlier. Um, Because we are a sports podcast. So I'm going to start with the sport hockey um, that we all have come to love. Um, So my hero in hockey is Justin Williams, um, a.k.a. Mr. Game 7. Was once an L.A. Kings player. He has won three Stanley Cups, one with the Carolina Hurricanes and then two with the LA Kings and they, they call him Mr. Game seven. Cause you know, it's self-explanatory there. Um, literally one of the most clutch players uh, I've seen for a hockey team, especially come playoff time. So that's my hero. Um, my villain of hockey is a guy we've talked about before, Patrick Kane, um, extremely uh, great player, but you know, when the Blackhawks were in their, in their heyday, uh, he always seemed to just um, do what it took. And especially against the Kings in the playoffs, you know, he's hitting overtime goal winners. Um, he's ending series. So, you know, therefore he is my villain. Um, Traden, you're our hockey guy. Tell me about your heroes and your villains. Yeah. So um, when I look at heroes, I just look at players that I like idolized when I was a kid. Um, you know, the reason that I wanted to play and I wanted to emulate their game. Um, you know, most of, most people would say like, you know, Wayne Gretzky or something like that. I don't want to be cliche. Um, cause that's not, that's not me. Um, I'm going to say the player that I idolized and my hero at the time when I was a kid was Ryan Smith. Um, he played for the Edmonton Oilers when I was a kid. Um, I, I he was the type of hard nosed player that I just, you know, I, I couldn't get enough watching, you know, he, he had a net prep presence unlike any other. 
you guys are going to get something like that out of it. Victor, Arv- Victor Arvinson, you Kings fans, but imagine that, but bigger, you know, a big six foot guy in front of the net that will do any, he'll take a puck to the face, lose three teeth and still jam at home. Cause he doesn't give a fuck. Um, he loved his teammates. He was a very good, he was a very good leader. Um, and it's a shame that he did not win the Stanley cup in 2006. He definitely earned it, but alas, he did not. Um, so, you know, he's the reason that I wanted to play hockey. Um, I, I took his number when I first started, but I had to, I had to change the number. So I just flipped them. Um, my number now is 49. I used to be 94 before I moved, um, to one of my teams who already had a guy and I had the number. So he's my guy. Um, my villain. So Eric, I took this one a little bit differently, actually. So, uh, you know, you could throw in many villains that of, of teams or of players that you play against that you absolutely hate because they're good. I picked a player that I hate because he has no dis- he has no respect for his you know, opponent. And that's Matt Cook. Matt Cook has is a first class agitator that did nothing but try to hurt, try to try to hit people to hurt people. And unfortunately, he ended the career of a very, very good hockey player um in mark savard um who you know suffered from from immense um you know post-concussion syndrome um he was not he was not suspended he wasn't even penalized on the play and then he turns around and and commits another vicious um um, hit from behind against another player he's also elbowed um elbowed ryan mcdonough to the head he doesn't even give a shit about about his about his opponent or anybody on the ice and his own teammate, Bill Guerin, who is a former Oiler and is currently the Minnesota Wilds um, GM, didn't even support him after he after he did did his act against Mark Savard. So you, I, I can't. And I remember what that hit was that hit when I was a kid. And um, you know, he's a disgusting hockey player. He's a disgusting human being. And fuck him. Yeah, I do actually. I haven't heard that dude's name for a while. I do remember him being a scumbag. Was he on the Penguins as well? Yeah, he's on doing the Penguins, similar yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, that's where he did. That's where oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were saying he was also in the Wild. He did. He ended up being on the Wild on his later. Oh, time. okay. Yeah, he was a scumbag. I do remember him always uh, doing shady shit. Um, so now I'm going to get into basketball. Uh, for me. You know, I might, I got a little biased just from uh, working with the Clippers and they kind of became my team. So, you know, I'm going as of more recent, a hero is going to be hopefully Kawhi. Um, just as Alex described earlier, a guy, you know, um, that now attracts a lot of other free agents to the team, but just a guy that has shown uh, he can do what it takes to win championships um, especially in, you know, markets that hadn't done it before. He did it in Toronto. Obviously he was with the Spurs, but he's just a guy that, you know, he ended the Warriors um, chance of a dynasty. He ended the Heat's chance of a dynasty. So I like that about him as well. Um, don't really have to elaborate much more on the guy. Um, a villain for me is also as of more recent, I'm going to go with uh, Jokic from the Nuggets. Um Basically because he, uh, you know, almost single-handedly took the Clippers out in the playoffs and embarrassed them um, after they were up 3-1. And, you know, he, you know, then goes on to be the MVP. Um, But he's just a guy that obviously is a great player, but he's a guy that, you know, they always go up against and he just kind of owns the Clippers. So from there, I'm going more of recent. He's he's my new villain that I uh, hate on in basketball. Uh, Alex, you are a basketball guy. Tell me about your heroes and villains. Yeah, so I went, I did a little bit of both. So my personal hero growing up, as much as I want to say Kobe, but like kind of with trade and 
you know, I can't, you know, I was obviously as a Lakers fan, I don't want to be too cliche. I'm going to go with my boy, Derek Fisher, huge point four shot to beat the Spurs. Like he came back after leaving, you know, won five championships with the Lakers. I love me some D fish. So that's kind of my dude. That's not Kobe or Shaq. Um, I think for a hero current, so I did like, I did two. So like my personal heroes, I think like a general current NBA hero, I think you have to go with Giannis. He got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, not one of the big teams came off of the streets of Greece, you know, came in being pretty like underrated, beefed up two-time MVP and now has won a championship. I don't know how you hate Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like there's, I don't think he's done anything to kind of like really piss anybody off. He seems like a super genuine dude. I mean, he won the championship and then went and bought 50 chicken nuggets or whatever it was at Chick-fil-A. Like if that's not relatable as fuck, I don't know what is. So I think current hero Giannis. And then for villains, we talked about this earlier. It's gotta be Chris Weber for me. That was when the Kings were good battling with the Lakers. Chris Weber just always seemed like a giant dick. Um, you know, he's probably not that big of an asshole in real life, but as a kid was not a fan of his, um, I remember like one of the very, I was probably like six or seven and my family and I were driving through Sacramento and I like rolled down the ri- window of my, like my dad's car or whatever. I was like, I hate Chris Weber. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> he's definitely a villain to me. Um, and then currently I think it's a tie between Ben Simmons, who just seems at this point like a total butthole, and <laughs> Trey Young. Like Trey Young has even said, "Call me a villain," at, especially after the series against the Knicks in the playoffs. Like getting booze, you know, showing up the New York fans. So I'm gonna give those two like kind of a tie. Um, Trey Young is probably more of a villain, like in the grand scheme of things. But like this offseason and Ben Simmons and this whole situation makes him kind of look like a villain too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You went, you know, back to the old school villains and the new school ones. Um, Yeah. I mean, Trey Young does seem like a dude like that. He can be an, he can be kind of like an agitator. I mean, he's good and he's good enough to do it, but yeah, I feel like teams are starting to, uh, you know, catch on to him more and maybe he's getting under their skin. He is that agitator role. Um, Let's get into football. I, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of took a different route with this. Um, as in, you know, growing up, I didn't really have a team. I like, I was weird. Um, my close friends that knew me when I was young will tell you, like I was a Raiders fan at one point, which was weird. And then I was a Redskins fan too. So, uh, yeah. Um, my mom went to high school with Mark Brunell, who was like once their old quarterback when they're actually not too bad. They had Santana Moss and Clinton Portis and all these other dudes, but uh, nonetheless, you know, I, once the Rams moved back, I became uh, a Rams fan. And so now my current hero is Sean McVay. Um, he's not a player, but he is a coach. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he's kind of turned their team around. Um, he's learned from the best like Bill Belichick. And he, you know, he's he's becoming better and better as a coach. And, um, you know, knowing all of the different play calls and schemes and different things like that. He's kind of helping run that. Obviously, he's the head coach. He's running that team. But, you know, he's created the culture there. So, you know, hero in my books so far. Um, villain is is new and old. Uh, Tom Brady. I'm just going off the same motto I've been going. Just you got to give him his credit. He's probably the goat of quarterbacks in the in the NFL. But 
you know, fucking guy just went to nine Super Bowls. Uh, he won another one last year, going to another team. And all you fucking heard about was him last night. Like that game was just so annoying because all you heard about was him, him, him. Obviously, he's very good, but yeah, you know, he's just a villain in my books. Um, sick of seeing him winning. James, our football guy, tell me what you got. My hero is going to be George Kittle, the people's tight end. This dude is hilarious, super relatable. He just picks on people during his press conferences, and he gives back a lot of money. Oh, he cares about your fantasy team. He makes apologies if he does terrible or just takes credit for the fact that you won if he did well. He's great. He's the kind of guy that I would still root for if he went to the Seahawks. If he willingly signed with the Seahawks, I'd still be like, George Kittle's my guy. And because of that, do that logic, that little fallacy, that uh, thing, it, that makes me want to like him more. Like, if I will like you, if you will go sign with the team I hate the most, then, yeah, you're my hero. So George Kittle is who I'm picking. For, for my villain, though, it's going to be Deshaun Watson. And it's kind of going to that quote that's like, either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. His fall from grace was so abrupt and so downhill. It was, it's ridiculous. He went off with this great story about this guy from Clemson who worked two jobs, supported his mom through her cancer treatments. It's just an all-around great guy. And he comes into the league and is a great player. He's a good quarterback. He's what keeps the Houston Texans afloat for being such a bad franchise. He was the dude that kept them alive. And then now he like, he's one of the most hated guys in the, NBA, in, in the NFL because of all the accusations placed against him. Over 22 women have placed sexual harassment um, clauses against him. They're trying to fight him in court because of all that. And I, like, honestly, like, I loved Deshaun Watson. I thought he was great. Like, when he wanted to leave the Texans, I was all for it. I was like, yeah, man, I'm on your side. Now all this comes out, and my stance on him has completely changed. Like, if it was one or two women, I'm like, oh, they could be lying. I don't know. We'll see. 22? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's all bad for Deshaun. Like, there's no way that 22 women have all come out and had the same exact story. Deshaun Watson, you messed up, man, big time. You had the potential to become one of the faces of the league, and you made mistakes, and now you're a villain, and nobody's going to ever want to sign you. You may not play another down in the NFL ever again. You got some huge Darren Sharper vibes going on here. And behind, behind, or behind the scenes, he's a pretty big asshole to the media people now. He's just lashing out, and it's tough. He was once – I once viewed him as a hero. Now he's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a rough scenario, um, you know, with, with him and with the Texans and uh, you know, who knows, maybe the bucks will pick him up as a backup for Tom Brady, use him as like a, um, a wildcat option. And then I'll pick him up on my fantasy team. Cause uh, I'm fucking Owen four. Um, but yeah, those are all good points. James um, getting to our last but not least sport and person Tyler, but let me tell you first, uh, quickly, my hero of baseball is Darren Erstad, um, uh, old Angels player, center field or left field, wherever the fuck he was, outfield. And, um, you know, just a guy that was clutch for them during their only time they ever won a World Series. But I just remember it as a kid. And then obviously he made that game winning catch on the San Francisco Giants to seal the deal, which was great at Angel Stadium. Um, and then. My villain is the Kansas City Royals, just the entire organization. Um, 
because <laughs> the last time the Angels were uh, actually really good and they, I believe, were like the best team record-wise in the season. They had Jared Weaver as a pitcher. Trout, it was his first and only time in the playoffs. Um, they got swept by the Royals. And uh, the first two games were one-run games that both went to extra innings and Angels couldn't pull it off. So, you know, I just uh, – now I got a grudge against the Royals because that was the last time the Angels – you know, really, really uh, had things going well for them. So that's where I am with that, with my grudge holding as usual. Um, Tyler, what do you got baseball-wise? Darren Erstad, what a throwback on that one. I remember those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I kind of went similar to some, what you guys kind of – I did kind of like, you know, what I grew up, my hero villains, and kind of what I think the current heroes and villains of baseball are. So kind of what I grew up, my – hero uh it's gotta be big poppy david ortiz um that guy i think just seeing how he turned his career around you know being in minnesota for all those years and just kind of being a average to below average player goes to boston i don't know what happened i don't know if the food's better there or whatever but he turned his career around there in, in boston and became a central piece of the of the curse breaking red Sox of that 2004 when they're down 0-3 to the yankees and came back and won so many huge clutch uh postseason home runs for that team so many great moments for him. Um, the dude got shot in the back and survived uh, in, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and he's a great TV personality. So he's still on. He, he uh, for uh, Fox Sports, he's there. And I, I love hearing his takes. Um, he's just a really likable dude. Um, so I think for me, Big Poppy uh, is my uh, hero for, for, for baseball. Uh, the villain, uh, talking about Red Sox Yankees let's talk about Alex Rodriguez um I think for a lot of different reasons I think you know he was a one of the big biggest names with the PEDs um and if you just watch documentaries about it and listen to the stories that people tell about him he just he just fucked so many people over for his own self-interest and I think kind of continues to do that and unfortunately we still have to listen to this guy talk every Sunday night on ESPN on Sunday night baseball. I don't know how he has that gig. I think he's one of the worst people to have as their national TV audience to be the spokesperson for baseball. I think it's ridiculous. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that he's still around. I still, have to, I still have to listen to this dude talk and just be on TV all the time. Um, I'm super glad that JLo broke up with him. I think that was a good move. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I almost picked Barry Bonds for this one. Um, but I think just because A-Rod a is still around, I think for me, it's what makes him a bigger villain that the fact that he's been so successful with fucking so many people over for me, it's just, he's the ultimate villain for me, both on the field and off the field. Uh, so A-Rod for me, biggest villain. Uh, currently though, uh, just real quick, current hero for baseball, Shohei Otani, hands down. I think he just what he's doing for baseball and for the game is incredible. Um, and then villains, um, every member of the 2017 Houston Astros, but also, but particularly Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, mainly because it's just how they've handled the whole situation. There's being total assholes about it. Um, so I don't like those guys. And then honorable mention is uh, Trevor Bauer. I mean, for obvious reasons, I think, you know, he's just taken kind of a similar to what uh, Deshaun Watson's uh, situation is for the Texans, similar situation for Bauer there. Um, I think everyone in baseball kind of already didn't like Trevor Bauer to begin with. And then, the whole uh, situation with him happened. And I think everyone unanimously agrees. He's probably the most hated guy in baseball right now. Uh, he probably might not, he, 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 he may never pitch again, um, but that's to be determined. But yeah, those are my, uh, 
my per, my personal heroes of villains and I think what my current uh, heroes of villains are for, uh, for 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 baseball. Yeah, yeah, another another uh, different yet similar situation with uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, we love people, love players. We also love to hate, um, which is why they're they're villains. You know, so that's pretty much all I got this week, uh, James. And thank you guys for contributing with all of your sports. Heroes and villains, always a good thing. All right, guys, that uh, wraps up episode 67. I'm willing to bet $10 or 50000 to Alex that this is probably our longest episode yet. <laughs> so if you guys made it through in one whole listen, <laughs> pausing or stopping, I'll buy you a beer. Let me know. Come meet me up in person because that was a long one, but it was also a good one. So appreciate you guys listening. Stay tuned. Uh, next week will be 68 because that's what comes after 67. Hope you guys have a good week. We'll see you next week.